What? You- and sipping Mai Tais cool. off of America's left coast. I have no doubt you can pull something out of your backup recorder to make me sound like an idiot. You're very capable of that. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Grumpy Old Ben's. I'm Darren O'Neill, still coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, but today is a very special day, even though he's in the troll room. Sir Bemrose is off on vacation, enjoying Hawaii, and we have a very special guest filling in. The, well, you're an honorary Ben already. This seems like you've been on like five or six shows already. So he needs no real introduction. Larry Blydner of that Larry show. How are you, Larry? Hey, tip top, Darren. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Got some mighty big shoes to uh, to fill there from Sir Bemrose. I don't know if I can do it. Do, do, am I bl- obligated to tell you that you're wrong? Like every 30, 45 <laughs> seconds, something like that. Is that part think- of the deal? I think that is contractually what uh, you have to do when you're replacing right. Sir Bemrose. He'll say you can't do it as well, but uh, that's just what he does. I mean, he says, you know, he listens to my show and he claims that he likes the Random Thought Show and he really yeah. likes your show, that Larry show. But when he gets on a podcast with both of us, he tells us both were wrong. So I don't know uh, why. But, the problem uh, is that the guy's he's so fucking smart. He's usually right. That's that's really that, <laughs> there lies the rub. You know, never but, admit uh, that. It's kind of fun. <laughs> never. <laughs> Once he hears that, he's going to want that as a clip, and he's going to play it forever. And you know how it goes. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like having another wife. I mean, she tells me I'm wrong. You know, <laughs> hourly. And uh, so, yeah. And you don't want to. You see, if you argue, you know, you're just going down the wrong path. So you don't want to argue. Yeah. You just want yeah. to. Uh, you want to just get past it. And that's what we do with Sir Bemrose. Right. You let him rant. You let them go, right. but there's a lot of people right. in the troll room. We listened to yesterday, part one. I mean, we have to just mention this right off the bat. Your first ever guest on that Larry show. Everybody was uh, really into hearing part oh. one of you and the, oh, the, cool. the outlaw John McAfee, as you call him. Uh, yes, indeed. Well, thank you very much. I'm very honored that uh, that ran on the stream and, and uh, you know, John, he was kind of uh, like shot out of a cannon. Uh, he was, he was, uh, uh, Janice was serving him red wine. And then uh, in part two, he sort of, uh, he throttled back a little bit because he, the man does like to talk and he's a great raconteur, you know, really. I mean, he's, it's not like listening to uh, white noise. I mean, the guy's really good. But in part two, it kind of became a lot more of a back and forth. And I got to ask him, uh, you know, some pretty cool things that'll be coming up in that. Like the guy's, one of the most fascinating things he said how america's fucked and and how it's been so um so torn apart since he was a kid and uh he he, he waxed rather poetic i'd have to say and it was uh he also told how to how to find a girlfriend how to get a great career <laughs> the guy's a, he's a font of uh, of interesting advice so it'll be fun part two. That, that was your shtick how to find a girlfriend we just had that on the, the that larry show before yeah. uh, the holidays I, I did do that, but you know, John having claiming to be the father of 47 children, I figured he's probably a little better at girlfriend finding than I am <laughs> and, so finding and then releasing. Obviously he's in the catch and release. Exactly. Method. Yes. <laughs> yes. Somehow I, I suspect there's some exaggeration in that number. 
uh, you know, but who knows? Only John knows or the women, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And a lot, I'm sure a lot of the stories may be slightly exaggerated, but he tells them could be so well, you know, that is, he does. The, that is the trick to, he does to being a good storyteller. And when he talks about, you know, doing the hacking, I mean, I, that's the kind of stuff that really perked my ears up the, you know, and it's genius, I guess, if you have the kind of money that he does, that's the stuff that he talked about in yeah. part one about sending laptops to people that were already loaded oh. up with malware. It's like, so now, now, you know, Larry, if you ever get a laptop in the mail from Sir Bemrose, burn it. <laughs> Don't turn well, it the on. funny thing is the man that kind of the guy that kind of defeated the Trojan horse employed the Trojan Trojan horse to fuck over a government. I mean, that's, there's some great irony in that i love it right you know, well and it shows laptop. <laughs> yeah it shows that data is never safe no matter what and no, you have to be aware of that no. which is something that we tell everybody you know on grumpy old bands seemingly on an episode by episode basis which is i mean you can you can put some roadblocks up but if somebody really wants to target you they're probably going to get you yeah uh, we talked about it in one episode it's hard to remember if it was one of them that you were on but there was a guy that hired hackers to see what they could find on him, what accounts they could get into. And, you know, the long story short was they ended up sending him a uh, phishing email from, I don't remember what it was like Hulu or something like that. Maybe it was Mm -hmm. his bank. And even though he knew that he had hired these guys to try to do this kind of stuff, it looked so good. He fell for it and they totally, owned his account so it just shows you even if you're looking for this stuff you're probably not safe and uh you know mcafee if he he wants the the information he'll get it yeah Yeah. what's the deal with that if you if you open the email you're okay it's when you click the link that you're fucked is that is that the the drill with those things it greatly depends now it used to be in the good old days just don't click on any attachments and you're safe but now there have been exploits in different email programs and you know outlook and stuff Mm. like that where a lot of times just a malformed message could start the ball rolling and of course if anybody ever has physical access to your machine then you know that's the uh, oh yeah you know that's the golden ticket right there there's (laughs) no doubt about it so you gotta you gotta take security seriously you know, people don't yeah. think about that. Oh, you just randomly found a USB key laying in front of your house. You know, there's a chance it wasn't that random. Well, I love that show you did on that, man. That was incredible with people embedding chips and the fucking fibers of, of uh, shipping packages. And holy shit, it's just it's beyond belief. The crap that's going on. I had no idea. You always you always do that. You t- tighten me up with stuff like I'd never even heard of deep fakes until you covered them. And uh, thank you for that. Really? <laughs> And now it's like front page news and places like Facebook are saying, yes, you know, just this week, we're going to, yeah. we're going to ban deep fakes. And I'm thinking, do you really have the technology to know what deep yeah. fakes are? And this is where we start getting into the, you know, kind of the topic we had for today, wanted to do, you know, hate speech and hate crimes and all yeah. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. with the, with the deep fakes. Obviously this is going to come into that because speech is now being targeted. And how do you know? Who gets to decide if I make a deep fake video that makes it sound like Ryan Bemrose is saying some really horrible racist things? Who gets to decide if that was a real video or if that was a fake? And that is where you really 
really start going down a slippery slope when it comes to the freedom of speech and putting any kinds of um, limitations on that because any kind of limitation, this is like anything else. It's like, you could say, well, everything's free except, you know, we're going to make this one exception. Well, the minute you make one exception, you start rolling down that hill. It's kind of like, I don't know if you follow William Shatner on Twitter. He is a very interesting dude Mm -hmm. for 88 years old, very sharp. And people are asking him all the time, whether it's about autographs or one lady was like, well, my daughter, you know, in, you know, I don't know what age, maybe junior high or something was doing a project and it was about Star Trek. And could he, you know, answer a few questions for, I mean, even in text format. And he just politely said no. And people start getting pissed, but he's like, well, if I do it for you, I have to do it for everybody. And that is kind of a uh, primer on this whole free speech thing with, if you start making one exception to the freedom of speech, then who's going to stop that ball from rolling is more and more and more and more exceptions come down because it seems, oh, well, this just seems reasonable. We don't want people targeted because of their, you know, race, their religion, their sexual orientation. I mean, we can all agree that that's bad, right? And from there, you go into things like the, one of the stories that I pulled up that we just have to discuss on today's episode is the guy in Iowa a few weeks ago that took down a LGBTQ flag off of a church in Iowa, took it away, took it off the property. I think they said he took it to a parking lot at a strip club. Don't know why. Don't know how that was connected. (laughs) That that is kind of interesting. (laughs) I don't know. That angle put some weird top spin on it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, okay, why? Was that where you were going next? Was that just the big parking lot? I mean, that could be, you know, the next parking lot from the church. Who knows what's going on in Iowa? I don't. Maybe it's just for safety reasons, you know, knew that right. nothing else could catch fire. Right. So he took it there, lights it on fire, and admits to it and said it was because that he opposes homosexuality. And as far as I know, it's still right. okay to have that viewpoint the you know damaging somebody's property okay something is you have to pay some kind of penalty for that one but the uh the courts found him guilty of course because he didn't fight it he said he did it even admitted why he did it and is looking at now over 15 years in jail for burning a flag how do we even start to wrap our heads around something like that I don't know the take I saw on it. I just kind of, you know, there's so much shit to, that, that blows by. And I think it's part part and parcel with why the digital world is destroying the rest of the world is, is you're so, you're so blasted by information overload. Nobody has time to, to really dig in and, and do any in-depth, you know, reading on anything. And, and I saw that story. And, and the only thing I saw sort of tangentially to was that somebody claimed that the guy had been, some type of a serial arsonist or a vandal, whatever the fuck it is. And the way they phrased it, the way they, 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 they framed it was that it was, it was, it was kind of a, not a three strikes thing, but the guy had been doing, you know, wacky shit previously had quite a, quite a collection of, uh, of, uh, you know, black marks on his record for no, no's, whatever the cops. And, and this one put it over the, 
over the over the you know over the goalposts and ergo 15 years whatever he's getting i don't know if that's true but you know that's that's what i saw um but still it's it's kind of uh so you know you do see that a lot of times where they'll take these stories and find an angle to you know to amplify them but uh i don't know i mean did you did you is there more am i getting it right or was that is that not the case or no that's exactly what i read but i didn't see anything about what his priors were or Mm. what they but really even if he had priors for other things the concept of is it not weird have you ever heard of another case of somebody burning an object and having it called arson i mean this is like you're taking a piece of paper you're burning it in a parking lot nothing else is near to catch fire i i just don't ever remember hearing the the term arson or the as far as when it comes to the legalities of it being applied to anything short of like a building right you're totally right that's that is uh kind of terrifying um but you know the was the so i guess the the term arson was applied by the courts then and the judge right that would have to be because you see that that. all the time with these these ersatz stupid so-called journalists whether it's advice or buzz or feed or whatever the fuck uh yahoo they're they're terrible and um you know you you'll see these these children writing shit that's so off the wall like i remember reading something like that um a couple of years ago on a yahoo thing you know it's it's illegal to burn books no it's not <laughs> but in their in their little minds it is i guess because they heard that somewhere um but i don't know the, the the whole thing is is very uh very troubling right it is in, in the troll room progo said wait the guy burned a flag outside and they convicted him of arson yeah that's the mm. in, a, in a parking lot where nothing else was going to catch fire they convicted him of arson and we're again we have to look at this from a couple of different aspects one is the fact that i actually believe that the hate term was attached to the arson uh so this was hate arson that was hate arson (laughs) right i don't i'm just i'm just curious is anybody that burned anything of somebody else's on purpose is it not out of hate usually i don't understand uh, but we're, well, i think what we have to look at the fact are you know kind of twofold the first is it's already gone to the supreme court about people burning the american flag and it was found that that is okay that is just yeah. covered under your freedom of speech that you're just making a statement that you can burn the american flag and that is a okay that's certainly not a hate crime according to the courts right so why is burning this flag a hate crime because it would seem to me that if you're going to burn an lgbtq flag you probably hate the lgbtq and if you are burning the american flag pretty sure you hate america if you're burning the you know russian flag you probably hate the russians so right right why is there a difference here why is one covered under the freedom of speech and one of them giving not only is it not covered under the freedom of speech but 15 years for destroying a flag and nobody ever really said how large the flag was i'm assuming if it was flying over a church you know kind of your average the same size flag that probably flies over the schools and the post office and stuff here so just a normal size flag which means even if it was a really really nice flag i bet you you could buy one for about a hundred bucks or so would be my guess sure and 
let's put this into context what's going on now here in Chirac, what's going on out in California in your neck of the woods, which is any crime that is stealing or damaging property under a thousand dollars, the cops won't even come out anymore. No. So why no. is this flag so special that the guy's getting, you know, 15 years when in Chicago we had video a couple of weeks ago in one of the clothing stores here of three guys each of them picked up this was right before christmas picked up as many of the coats that they could carry off one of the racks and each one of them probably carried out like 15 20 coats just walked out the door because they know mm -hmm. nothing's going sure. to be done and well, it's yeah it's it's yeah it's incredible it's it's not only incredible it's a breakdown then, of society unless it's now now if those were lgbtq coats well <laughs> that would have been a different story obviously right they would have do they to make be L do they make lgbtq coats <laughs> maybe i mean i guess maybe if they're the uh the rainbow or however you know if they have the bright label on them yeah. or, or or something like that but i, I just know. don't i don't get it it's well, you know i remember the first time i heard the, the phrase hate crime that goes back now quite a quite a ways i'll bet yeah, 15 20 years probably something like that um i was listening to a guy in, in, in am radio in la driving home from work and uh <clears throat> he's still around his name is joe crummy and he uh he had an interesting take on it he said you know because i just for for the first time i heard the heard the term and he says doesn't this sort of you know elevate one group of people above another whoever, whoever that is and i haven't seen anything that um that refutes that in all that time you know um if it's if you know why do why do why should some given group of people whatever they are whether it's by race or religion or age or anything be sort of more um uh, protected i guess is the word by the law than anyone else right you know, which I, is, I don't i don't understand that no which is the infuriating part which is well you're yeah. part of the lgbtq community so if somebody hits you in the face with a brick that's a hate crime even if you can't right. really prove it you can maybe it was just a friend of theirs who <laughs> decided that yeah. this guy was being a dick and that's why they hit him with the brick where you don't get that if you're not lgbtq you don't have that protection that's not a hate crime it's like it doesn't make sense to right. me it's like if you're going to take a black kid and drag him down the street behind your car that's a hate crime i do it to a white kid <laughs> i mean it's just crime i i don't get it yeah the, it's very it's very troubling and you have to wonder where it's all going to wind out because it seems we're not we're kind of on the brink of or maybe over the the threshold of thought crimes as well aren't we don't, don't the two kind of go hand in hand hate speech hate crime hate now thoughts right yeah what, what you were we did we determined what you we, we scanned your brain and we know what you were thinking you know when you did whatever it was wow that's kind of scary it is what we're getting into because that's the only way you can get somebody on a hate crime is to infer you know to like you said get into their brain and say well this is why they did it that's the only way that you can go after somebody for a hate crime i wonder what would have been different at all in the case of the guy with the flag if he wouldn't have admitted why he did it if he wouldn't have said well i disagree with homosexuality then it becomes a much harder hate crime to put on there. maybe he just didn't like rainbows so he decided to take the flag yeah, maybe he'll, right didn't like the design 
Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but you know, it's, it's odd if you think, for, you know, forever, one of the, uh, I hate the word, but the most iconic symbols of, uh, of America, uh, it, beyond the Statue of Liberty is that other lady, Lady Justice, right? The chick holding up those scales. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, she's wearing a blindfold, isn't she? Yeah. What, whatever happened to that? It has totally changed now because we can, hasn't it? We can persecute the, uh, the white guys, the straight white guys, definitely. As a straight white guy, I know it seems a little ironic for me to say that, and I may be a little self-serving, but it seems like straight white guys probably have a target on their back because there are so many of these yeah. crimes now that only you can commit because, I mean, obviously, if somebody goes after you, well, because you're straight and white, well, that's the norm. So that's not racist. Right. That's not you know anything for, for whatever reason, rather than, you're right, Lady Justice the blindfold is because everybody should get equal treatment yes. under the law yes. and hate crimes are exactly the opposite of that. You're absolutely right there. Com completely undermines that concept completely in every way. Um, but I guess that's identity politics, huh? Uh, what do you think of the, uh, the thing, the Nick Sandman, uh, does anybody, I haven't seen how much did, did, uh, did the Sandman guy get out of CNN in that settlement? Was that published anywhere? Or? Do we know? No, I'm sure the amount is going to have to be kept secret because that's how these things yeah, work. And sure, um, you know, one on one one hand, they're happy to see that he has gotten some money out of CNN. So at the at the very least, but the downsides of this are you don't get to have this play out in court now. You don't get to you know for CNN's not forced to put on a defense they're not convicted of anything right. they're you, know, you kind of get this swept under the carpet to mm -hmm. a certain extent but you know i also i guess i'll point to the treatment that cnn and others gave people like bill o'reilly who was right. ushered out of his news gig because he paid off people rather than taking things to court which was just the you know that was just what was done that was the uh you know, the normal operating procedure for you know, yeah. frivolous lawsuits was, you know, if we go to court, it's going to cost us this much. But if I can just pay you off and save this money, it became an easier thing mm -hmm. to do. Uh, and people like CNN pointed at him paying them off as he's guilty because he paid them off. So right. I'm going to use that logic right back on CNN <laughs> yeah. and point, well, you yeah. pay the guy, you know, so there yeah. had to be, there had to be, that has to be some kind of admission that they yeah. they did something wrong beyond just covering the news and this gets into you know those questions which is uh the bread and butter of the no agenda show which is the way the media works and we're, we're living in an age that i'm sure we've touched on it before on other shows that you've been on is that media has turned into rather than doing your research and getting it right and making sure uh, that your story is accurate before going to press, that is now out the window. And the only thing that seems to be important in the media is to be first with the story. And if it's wrong, who cares? We maybe will publish a retraction at some point, but nobody ever sees those. And it's amazing right. just how many stories that have been debunked, which is why I think this kid was absolutely right. And the fact that this was going to follow him around 
forever. Although if that was the reason and it really wasn't about money, then I still say he should have taken this to court. But I mean, I guess you, you run into different issues there. Maybe he wouldn't have won in court, but um, I, I would have rather if it wasn't about the money, I would have rather had CNN getting a guilty verdict against them rather than being paid off. Unless, I mean, I guess if the number was so big, then uh, I don't know. I guess th- those are moral questions that are really hard to make if you're not the one being offered a check with a lot of zeros at the end of it. Oh, I wanted to see Aaron Burnett on the witness stand. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, for all those guys, wouldn't that have been a fun circus? That's such a, we got robbed as a, as a, as a nation. I mean, damn it. That's just mm, too bad. Well, yeah, because yeah. well, I'm sure I'm sure they wrote him a pretty hefty check, you know, because um, I doubt he would have won. I mean, I, we need a, we need an attorney to weigh in on this thing. I'm, I'm not, but uh, it seemed it seemed they really really screwed over that kid, and uh, I hope he got a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, it's again going off the face of the way anything can be framed, which is the other yeah. part of the the problem in today's digital age is. One, we know they've been doing it for years, which is the creative editing of people saying things, which means you could, and it used to just be, well, you cut off a little bit, you know, before they said something or a little bit after, you know, it it could be somebody saying, well, now here's a crazy example. And then they say something crazy. And of course, well, you just play the part without them saying, well, here's a crazy example. And it's gotten just much, much worse where these stories that are allowed to you know like trump and the eye just go grab him by the pussy it's like that wasn't what he Mm. said but you see that repeated over and over again that oh oh, we have a president that said this it's like well no you know you have the um you know the hands up don't shoot fiasco you know you have all these stories Mm. that have been disproven if you're somebody that is well either listening to the no agenda show or is really involved in this stuff and follows things once the case comes up. But it's like most people, myself included, you don't pay that close of attention to every little story. You forget to go look at follow-ups. So I'm just remembering the issue with the woman who found her kid's notebook and went to the police because he had written a story, he says. Oh, yeah you know, about blowing up his school. I have not seen anything since then. So I'm gonna have to make a note to go do research and see if anything else, I'm doubting it, knowing the media, if there's anything that has been a follow-up to that story. But this is the problem with the media today is you get these little uh, dramatic blurbs of stories and then they disappear and you'd never find out what happened. And in the case of, you know, the kids from the Covington high school, it was, well, obviously, look at these smug pricks, and they're just harassing this poor old guy who just is. It's like, no, you don't know that. You know, you can't take these little clips, and you can't believe those. Nor is that a uh, a sure deal. I mean, let's just say that a fight would have broken out between that you know the kid Nick Sandeman and the the Indian guy. Well, is it necessarily because you know the guy was Indian? You know, an Indian? I don't think so. You, 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 no. it's just so hard to try to pull these things in or pull these things out, which means, you know, any crime against somebody, if we go down the list of what they're using for these hate crimes, it's all what sex, you know, sexual orientation, religion, race. Uh, I think those are the big ones. So if you're, if you're different in any way, than the person you're getting into an altercation with, 
you could probably be charged with a hate crime at this point. Yeah, probably. I guess it. I guess it. In his case, he was would have been charged with hate face. That's the new. It's a new bar, <laughs> right, right? Because just um, just making when in the, fact his face was 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 anything but hateful. Like, like I was smiling at, at somebody beating a drum in his face. It really like how do, how does that pencil out? I don't quite get that. Um, but you know, you gotta wonder where this is all going to to net out. You know, in the smoke clears. I mean, you mentioned uh, you know we were talking about uh, um, deep fakes and so forth, right? Well. On the one hand, if you think about it, I, I can't imagine how this this upcoming election is going to play out with with deep fakes. Uh, you know, a, a part of it, you can have anybody saying anything, and people are going to believe that. So, what what happens when this becomes when this you know just infuses every aspect of the media, everywhere you go, every every social media, so you're seeing deep fakes well maybe maybe it'll upend the whole thing maybe it's like well you can't believe a fucking thing you see or hear ever so just stop listening and make up your own mind i mean how does what's it gonna do it's it's pretty mind-blowing well it comes down to um confirmation bias i think which is something we talked about in the one random thoughts way back when on bias is that people yes want to believe things that go along with what they already believe which is where the deep fakes yes. that's their that's the bread and butter because you know if yeah. you think you know Nancy Pelosi is a huge socialist and there's a deep fake that has her saying you know exactly the things you want to hear well then you're going to well yeah that's obviously true um you know and it's the the concept that anybody can tell in you know Facebook oh yeah it's great that they stand up and say well we're going to do our bit to block that but they were you know, smart enough, I guess, to say, well, this isn't going to cover, you know, parody. This isn't going to cover, um, you know, the just making fun of somebody. This wasn't going to cover just um, putting somebody's actual words in a different order. This was going to mm -hmm. be the full on alleged deep fake. And we're assuming again that they have the capability to decipher what is real and what is not. And I don't believe that anybody has that ability yet i i think you're right and and even if they do even if they can if, you know if, if somebody comes up with some program that can you know flawlessly and immediately detect identify a deep fake who the fuck says whether it's satire or parody or what the again now we're back in out to to thought crime who 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 can who makes that call as to what the intent of this piece of content is that's the scary part because there's nobody yeah. that is uh nobody has that skill level nobody has that moral authority nobody has uh, uh nobody that i would trust to to make that decision even if you had within you know 100 percent certainty that it was a video that was faked the way i look at it is this will be the way that you could take you know somebody on your side of the political aisle say who's caught on camera saying something they shouldn't have oh well that was a deep fake i mean this is right. going to be the easiest way to just yeah. brush evidence down the toilet now because the more technology we have the less you can actually believe what you're seeing and hearing which is really really interesting when you kind of think of that concept which is oh. if you had a videotape you know 20 30 years ago you, you pretty much were seeing what you were seeing. It was very hard to do anything close to yes. what they're doing now. 
audio the same way, maybe a little bit easier to pull off with audio as, you know, audio editing is way easier to add a word here or mm-hmm. there without people noticing. But now you can't trust anything. I mean, I can tell you 100% no. as you can from somebody that produces an audio program, uh, audio podcast. There are times you, oh, well, I should have added, I should have said this when you're running back your show before you're releasing it. And it's easy to change a word here or there. Oh, I misspoke here. So let me edit that. The end result, mm-hmm. nobody's going to be able to tell that that was changed. So then I then question, how is anybody going to know if that was a deep fake? Or how is anybody going to know that that wasn't uh, originally something completely different? And when you get to the point, and maybe this is the end goal for some people, when you get to the end point that you cannot trust anything that you see or hear, where does that leave you when it comes down to something like an election like we're about to go through? Yeah. I mean, how do you even decipher it? <laughs> you can't. I, you can't. I, I guess, I guess what, what's going to have, have to happen is, um, I, guess, I guess, candidates are going to have on their web portals or something, um, basically, they'll just have to say, if you want to know what I'm really about, you have to go to so-and-so.com and get my, you know, my appro- I approve this statement and, and I stand by it information. And anything else you see or hear might be bullshit, might be deep fakes. I mean, is that the only way this can work? I think, right? Probably. As far as at least then you can trust that the person who owns the website, unless it was hacked. But yes, if you go to, right. you know, the Larry Blydner <laughs> site and you say, hey, this is this is these are my videos. I'm vouching for them here. Anything different, yeah. you know, they may be they may be doctored then. Yeah, that may be the way, which again, I don't understand. I've been saying this for a few years now, knowing how the internet works, knowing that even idiots like Ryan Bemrose and myself can do a show like this and put it out there and have people all over the world download it and listen to it. I don't understand why politicians have to raise the amount of money that they do in order to be a, a viable presidential candidate because zero money. Just give them an internet connection, a webcam, and a microphone, and you can get the word, whatever you want to say, you can communicate Mm -hmm. with the public. You don't need millions of dollars. And this is where a lot of the problems rise because you have some pretty viable candidates who then just get uh, shuffled off because they can't raise the money because they don't fit into the little box that everybody wants checked and they never get to be heard from and that that i think is a detriment more than anything else but you know money money still talks and until that's not the case you know the, the politics is going to be a, a total crap show but i mean you know that you live in california still oh my god um but i i guess you know there's it's it seems like you know things some things change a lot some things never do i mean i mean uh, even um a couple of elections by gone, um, everything was was had to be um, you know, conventional media, and now look, the big story is about is about Facebook. Everybody's concerned about what they're running and how they vet, uh, you know, political messages. So, you know, I, I, who would who, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if uh, one two elections cycles down the road, um, the, the the networks are are tearing their hair out looking for a buck from from political uh, campaigns 
because I don't, you know what? I don't watch TV anymore, but when I do, the only advertisements I see are for adult diapers, uh, <laughs> gold is a hedge again, and, re and reverse mortgages, and sometimes catheters. In fact, one of the best things I ever saw—a <laughs> fucking commercial for a catheter. And how's this for a, for a, you know, for for the very zenith of great copywriting? Some poor bastard's grinning into the camera, and he says, "You know, the X Y Z catheter that I just got hurts less." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, holy shit, it hurts less, huh? Um, but but if, I think pretty soon anybody that's watching commercial conventional television is going to be dead. So it won't matter. Huh? That, that is the, the demographic, it seems. And the, uh, the money used to be for the news networks every four years was their Super oh. Bowl. That's when they were making all their money. Yeah. And that's not going to be sure. the case anymore. That really isn't going to be the case no. because things are happening well off of the mainstream. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you, but I guess you, you still have to plow money into, into the big guns, right? You still, I mean, they're, they're going to be throwing piles at, at Facebook and Twitter. And I don't know what it would, would Instagram and, and would, I guess that probably wouldn't matter for political shit, but I don't know. It's not my deal. They're using everything. I just don't understand half of, well, it, it's hilarious when you see these things and I had never <laughs> signed up for an account because it's again not my thing the tiktok which i'm guessing is kind of yeah. like an instagram kind of uh kind of site i saw one of my buddies post something on there the one day and then it was like attached to um a facebook post or something i'm just like what the hell is tiktok and then i saw the thing about the uh the company behind it and how like all of it was hacked and all of your data is not safe and it's like don't trust anybody do not trust anybody when you're putting these apps on your phone, especially you're making mm. you're uh, making yourself open to all sorts of bad things because these, you know, these can be if you're not vetted, you know, some random Chinese company, they may be trying to uh, just get into your phones, hack your information, get your banking information. You don't really yeah. know. And well, you saw maybe the story the other day, they talked about it on uh, a no agenda yesterday, Paul Krugman, who allegedly oh, comes asshole. out and he's like oh um i i talked i'm talking to a security expert uh it seems somebody yeah. might have hijacked my uh ip address and is and is using it to download child porn and uh, mm. the the tweet was then deleted and it seems like he was then came to the understanding that he was perhaps uh fall, had fallen victim to a, a farce you know, had fallen victim to, mm -hmm. we get these emails all the time. And I remember one, just after setting up something on the, uh, no agenda servers, our buddies, uh, Ryan Bemrose and, uh, void zero had both gotten the same email through that account, which is I have hacked into your account. I saw what you were doing on your webcam while watching porn and I have the video. So send me, you know, Bitcoin or whatever it was. And I'm thinking this asshole got one of these emails and yeah. either knew he was already guilty, which okay, horrible thing to say, just speculation of doing said thing, yeah. but he was scared enough to tweet about it. And it's sad mm -hmm. that somebody again in the media, like this guy is, would be so ignorant of these scams going around that sure. when somebody comes to you and says this, that your first 
reaction is to believe it. My first reaction being a dude named Ben was nobody can get your IP address. I mean, they could hack into your computer, but saying somebody compromised your IP address just shows a complete lack of knowledge about what he was talking about. But but that would be Krugman. See what what what's mind boggling about that guy is is if you went back and cataloged every prediction he's made economically for the past dozen years or more, he's fucking always wrong, always wrong. So why does he still have a following and a platform? I don't understand that. People are dumb. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the only <laughs> answer. Your answer. Right? Yeah, there it is. You know, maybe he's en- maybe he's entertaining. Wrong. Yeah, maybe maybe he's like maybe. He's the, the weatherman maybe. of this. <laughs> Nobody, uh, maybe you don't have to be yeah. right. <laughs> I I don't get it. But that you know, these are the kind of things that are going around, and I can't even imagine you know being a somebody in politics to any level. You know, above maybe a small town mayor or something like that. And even there, you may be a a target for people to come after you with all sorts of crazy stuff. And I, I mean, I can't even imagine the level of crap that goes to somebody in the presidency i don't care if it's donald trump or whether it's obama or bush the amount of security that has to be taken for these guys or anything i mean you can't just use a normal Mm -hmm. laptop you can't just use a normal cell phone it's like all this stuff has to be insulated and as we saw with all of hillary's messages maybe some people weren't so good at security and setting up the private email servers and you know, a lot of that stuff goes through the Ukraine. And I'm guessing maybe your buddy McAfee knows what was on all those servers. And <laughs> maybe he does. Well, he, he actually told me that he's uh, he, he broadcasts from within a Faraday cage, which is a hell of a concept. Um, boy, maybe that's what we all need. You uh, do, walk just around to, with those Faraday suits. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure that nothing gets in or out. Because yeah. I mean, there's bizarre stuff. I mean, there is even to the point where there was technology that was able to pick up the signal from your monitor that mm-hmm. uh, when you, when your monitor's on it's giving a very unique radio signal depending on what your what is on the screen there was the ability for people to watch that even just by picking up that you know picking up that wavelength and I don't know exactly how mm-hmm you know, accurate that was. And if you could read text or whatever it was, but it shows you just the, the bizarre ways that your privacy can be completely screwed up. And when it comes to like the deep fakes and all that, and we talk about people just being stupid, this was an article I had pulled up from, well, I mean, it's the ultra liberal Washington post who at first they didn't want to let me read the article because, you know, I had ads blocked and that's really pissing them off. So I went into oh, yeah. the uh, dissenter browser and that seems to fool the WAPO. So if you need to read the WAPO, grab the dissenter browser. Although I would recommend probably not reading the WAPO unless you're looking to do like I am. And that is just uh, talk about how crazy some of the stuff is. But this was an article on the Washington Post talking about, and this was from October 29th of last year. So a recent article talking about why hate speech laws you know we should probably start thinking about actually implementing those so this is a pro hate speech law a piece here on the wapo and one of the things said was 
A 2016 Stanford study showed that 82% of middle schoolers couldn't distinguish between an ad labeled sponsored content and an actual news story. The first thing I thought of, Larry, which is middle school. So that's before junior Mm -hmm. high and junior high starts what? uh, um, Like 12 or 13, right? So this is like 12 years old and under. So this is one of the right. things this idiot's using to say why we should have hate speech mm-hmm. laws in this country is that kids that are 12 and under maybe can't distinguish between something labeled sponsored content and an actual news story. Right. Is that really well, bas- the bar yeah. we want? You know, any time, I mean, they're now they've become sort of phrases there's there uh, let's call them i guess uh, I, I hate the word tr- i hate the phrase trigger word but but i'll for lack of a better i'll say they're trigger words when i hear them um immediately my bullshit radar needle just gets pinned and uh and one of them is if, you, if i hear any fucking uh cause whatsoever that's about children count me out because uh, you're about to get to be buried in bullshit. Somebody says for the children, it's a protection. Anything that's for the children, I'm out. And I have kids and I love kids, but it's invariably some asshole trying to blow something by you for their own uh, nefarious uh, 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 agenda. You know, it's, it's never for the kids. It's always something else. But the stooges and rubes go, oh, yeah, let's go for the kids. I mean, you talk about how fucked California is. That's how California got so fucked. Every, every new gas tax, every idiotic thing they do, every stupid proposition and measure they pass always has a tag on it. It's some, in some way, it's going to help the children. And it never does. It helps the politicians. Another well, yeah. one is when I hear someone speaking and they say, as a, as a, that's all I need to hear is those, those two words, <laughs> I tune out. Okay. Whatever, whatever it's going to be is whether it's there as it's, it's their ethnicity, their sexual orientation, whatever, you know, whatever it is as a, their position, you know, as a, as an engineer, as no, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I only want to hear from you as a human being. And you don't have to, you don't have to qualify that. I know I'm not talking to a dolphin. Okay. To stop fucking saying as a, I'm not interested. But they might, they might think they represent the dolphins. I mean, they may identify as a dolphin. <laughs> because you know what's coming when you hear an as a, I mean, it's, they're climbing onto a pedestal and looking down at you to say, oh, I'm something you're not, you know, I'm an academician or I'm a this, I'm a that, whatever it is, I, as a, and you're just a whatever it is. It's really, it's really infuriating. Well, it is because it, like the lady justice, it's taking the concept that we're all yeah. equal and throwing it out the window. If you're going to say out the window, you know, as a native American, as an African American, as a gay woman, whatever it is, that means you actually want preferential treatment because the law should be the same for everybody. Everybody should be protected equally. You should never have to have a law that is only protecting any kind of subset of the population because it doesn't make sense for anything that I can think of that says, well, you know, it's okay to do this to a straight white guy, but totally wrong to do it to somebody in the LGBTQ community. I don't get it. Crime is crime. Crime is crime, right? Is right. Wrong is wrong. But I mean, I guess it all goes to far deeper issues of, uh, you know, moral relativity and so on and so forth. It's really, you know, I think if you, the, the, the bow string that, or the bow that ties it all up with a, with a, or the rope that ties it up with a pretty bow is it's the death of truth. All this stuff, 
it really is you know and you were talking you did a, i loved your show about comedy um and you know people don't want truth anymore it's they, they want they want to be lied to and they insist that you lie as well don't they you know? kind of you know and that's where i don't know enough about you know ricky gervais obviously he's in the entertainment industry obviously mm -hmm. the stuff he was reading a vast majority was on the teleprompter so this was blessed by who was ever in charge of the golden globes it wasn't him going rogue because if it was him going mm -hmm. rogue we could very easily have turned the tv cameras off and and went to a commercial and i don't know if these are actually his views that he was espusing when he's uh talking about you know don't come up here and make a political comment or all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff but the bottom line mm -hmm. was i don't care if he actually believed that i just care that he said it because comedy is not about believing something comedy is about knowing something is funny and saying it that's that's the bottom line of it it doesn't matter what you believe you know that saying it is going to get a reaction which again the michael richards kramer when he was bombing in the african-american nightclub wherever he was and then started throwing out the insults well you knew he was doing it just to push a button. It doesn't necessarily, again, I don't know if he is or not a racist. I would doubt sure. it. But if he, even if he was, I, would doubt it. I don't care. But in this case, you understand comedy and go, oh, he's just doing this to, you know, to push buttons. And people don't right. comprehend that anymore. It's, it's so very much black or white, you know, zero or one. It's so very binary, which is funny in a world that wants to be completely non-binary now isn't it that you when You're it right, comes it to this funny. stuff it's an irony yeah. there yeah. you know you want to have 14 yeah. different you know 65 different genders but no that's obviously hate speech i don't get it right right well i wondered you know the thing was a big obviously a very big deal what gervais did and um it's easy for him to do because he's worth north of 100 million bucks um so he certainly has his fuck you money in the bank he doesn't need anybody in hollywood anymore i would assume um but he's is is you wonder if it's like is that is that the first shot um of a, of a revolution of a pendulum swing away from political correctness and the suppression of free speech because you know, that's what it is you know when people say I don't, you can't say that that's suppression of free speech speech you know, i'm very much on the same page as uh, sir bemrose i'm a free speech absolutist and you either have it or you don't have it. There are no fucking gray areas of it at all. Okay. And Gervais, you know, uh, whether he's did it because he's loaded and, and, and can take the heat or not, whatever is a pretty ballsy thing to do. Um, I, I banged into a guy, uh, that I know a couple of days later who, uh, who works in fact for, uh, for one of, uh, of one of uh, Gervais's targets. And I said, what do you think of uh, his thing? And he goes, it was very mean spirited. I said, well, I said yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> right and, and then and then he didn't know how to compute that it was like because everybody's supposed to go oh yeah yeah that was mean spirit was, he's so mean he's so mean well yeah so and <laughs> so he couldn't he had no comeback for that you know some shit you think it's mean other people think it's funny some people think it's mean and funny thank you don rickles you know um <laughs> right yeah so. i mean rickles was the absolute king of that and you go back to the roasts if you want to go back to that era and the whole concept was to be mean to the person that you were yes. roasting. You were there to make jokes at their expense. And it was right. a, a very viable part of comedy. That was, 
right. the, uh, again, the shock jocks. There are no shock jocks. There's no Howard Stern. There's nobody of that ilk. If you start looking at this because mean spirited, there is a very thin line between mean spirited sure. and hate speech. That's what this is coming right. down to is, oh, well, that was you were targeting them for who they are. And that was one of these things I read about hate speech, which was, you know, anything targeting somebody for who they are. Well, what if somebody's a you know pedophile arsonist? I mean, you can't go after them for that because that's just who they are. So I don't yeah. understand where you're drawing the lines when it comes to this stuff. And some people can take it better than others, which I will applaud Leonardo DiCaprio when Ricky Gervais made the comment that, oh, his last movie was so long, you know, his date was too old for him by the time the premiere ended. And he, the woman next to him, I don't know if that was his date or whoever that was, you know, he just kind of like nodded his head and laughed and like, yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> and when uh, uh, Scorsese, yeah, that Le- was the. <laughs> Leo know. laughed, but I think Tom Hanks cringed for him as a proxy cringe. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's that? Okay. See, that I don't get. If the, per- if the butt of the no. joke is laughing and you're cringing, it's kind of yeah. like you're missing something here. You yeah. know, again, I don't know these guys. I don't know if Ricky Gervais and. Uh, you know, and Leo have run into each other and have talked and you don't know how to, you don't necessarily how to take things. Uh, Adam Curry mentioned the other day when uh, something we were, uh, I'd done a piece of artwork that wasn't chosen because it was uh, a picture of the Alamo that uh, I mm-hmm. had put the live from Syria. That was right after the news story broke that the, the Syrian video of the big war of the bombings on ABC was actually from a Kentucky gun range. Remember that story? I mean, Oh yeah. (laughs) Yay. News media. (laughs) And that's still never been explained exactly how that happened. No, but the, the artwork wasn't picked, even though John and Adam liked it. And they said it was because they feared a majority of people wouldn't get the joke that wouldn't even know what the Alamo was. And Adam Curry said, well, you know, I was just over at the Alamo because he's in that in that area. And he's like, you know, who has a large uh, collection of Alamo artwork? And it was Phil Collins. Drummer, you know, Genesis, that Phil Collins. Genesis. He He collects. Okay, school me. What is what is Alamo artwork? Just like depictions of it or something? Or I guess just like anything Australian or British or something. What what does he even care? Isn't he from England? I I think. Yeah, yeah, he's from England. I don't know why he likes the Alamo. What he what it represents to him, but I guess like artifacts and all that. He owns a lot of Alamo Hmm. related stuff. And uh, Curry just made the comedy. He's like, well, yeah, Phil Collins. You know, he hates me. And Dorek's like, what do you mean? Why does he hate you? He's like, I don't know. But every time I used to see him, he would like walk by me and go, Adam Curry, too tall, too much hair. I hate you. And just walk right past him. And it's like, <laughs> okay, see, now this is kind of like the Ricky Gervais thing. Cause you have to know sure. what sure. in which this is where the hate speech comes in too, because it's like, how was that delivered? And how do you know right. if the person's making a joke? Like, ah, you're too tall, too much hair. I hate you. Now, do they really hate you? Right. Or is it just there? Is he making the joke that? You know, you're, you've got, you know, too much height and too much hair. And he has neither, which sure. Phil Collins doesn't. But, yeah. you know, he's got that billion dollars. So it also makes him feel better. But yeah. how do you, well, you know, that's it's so you don't because people today have no, no concept of nuance, of irony, of sarcasm. And it's really sad. Um, a teacher in my kid's school a couple of years back was fired. And this guy was, uh, he, was, he, was, he, was he was up there in age. He was a, a very wealthy guy who basically, you know, taught uh, grammar school just to have something to do. 
you know, and I think he took like a dollar a year salary, some, something like one of those deals. <clears throat> and he's from, you know, he's from the, the Rickles era of humor. And he would very often say to kids that were, you know, incredibly good looking, you know, very, very pretty girls or handsome boys, you know, you're too ugly for my class. Get out of here. You know, <laughs> well, you know, some mothers took umbrage at this, didn't get his, his, his sense of humor and they shit canned him. You know, the, the guy was a great teacher, very nice guy. And, but you, nobody understands. So I, you know, there needs to be, I, I kind of feel like there needs to be some stock retort to all of these humorless drones that will shut them down. I don't know what, maybe it's like, here's five bucks, go buy yourself a sense of humor, something, but I'm so fucking tired of it. You know, it's killing, it's killed comedy and it's killing, it's killing, uh, the species it really is. Well, it's killing comedy, which means it's killed the movies. It's killed the you know, oh. television. It's killed, you know, maybe some writing. I don't know. Maybe authors are still kind of uh, off this radar because I don't think enough people read to, um, to know reads. what's going on. <laughs> so you're safe. You can you can say whatever you want in a book yeah. because nobody's ever going to. It's you can't consume that in a tweet. So it's maybe yeah. that is the that is the point, and that is being safer. But there was. Recently, an article that I saw about a British uh, psychiatrist that was talking about how intelligent people have been targeted. And then I saw an article today from the National Review talking about this, where he was has been doing the circuit in the UK, seriously promoting the concept that words like geek and nerd and egghead should be added to hate speech so calling sure. somebody that could actually get you put in jail you know if this guy had sure. his way in the uk and it's interesting to me because we've seen this kind of language be embraced by the like the people that he would be talking about you know there's a lot of shows you know a lot of podcasts that use geek and nerd in these kind of terms oh, within God, yeah. the the title for the podcast so, I mean, again, who mm -hmm. gets to decide who, you know, again, do, do these intelligent people really need the protection of somebody saying, you know, oh, you're a nerd. And is that really hate? I mean, again, what is the bar for being able to say something to somebody that is in any way making a comment upon their intelligence, the way they look, the things they're doing? How can I say anything about you? How can you say anything about me that isn't going to fit into one of these boxes very soon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know what the answer is to this. It's, it's been, it's been um, you know, this has been percolating. And I think, I think the problem is, I think it comes up through, um, through the educational system. I think that is, you know, it's, it's Hollywood on the one hand has, has, is a very small group of people with enormous influence over the culture and academia is a, is a, a huge group of people with even more influence over the culture. And, you know, having, having two kids, I've seen this again and again and again, how this, the, the, the political correctness, uh, the, the rigidity the discouragement of, of creativity and individuality, the, uh, the, uh, imposition of, of conformity of thought. This is all coming from your local school. 
or you know, the, the university in the next state. That's, that's really where it's coming from. And I don't get it. I really don't yeah. get the concept of um, what they're trying to accomplish. And except if you're trying to go for a complete, um, whether you'd call it nanny state, which is what a limboism, or whether yeah. you would just call it completely a fascist, a completely uh, non-free state is what it comes down to because the limiting of speech there was a uh, steven crowder the comedian political pundit mm-hmm. whatever you want to call him he had a video i saw a few weeks back which was dealing with free speech and he had a girl in college so it appeared to be maybe early 20s that was from germany who was arguing with him once he said well you know your country's not free and she's like well of course my country's free and he's like well oh, do you yeah. have you know do you have hate can you, you know can you say anything you want in germany and she's like yes and he's like well you know can you say whatever nazi hitler thing he pulled out and she's like well no he's like well then you're not free and right you know her concept which is what you see in a lot of these articles when doing a little research which is you know somebody was like well why would you want to allow people to burn bibles or burn the quran and th- these laws that are coming around why would you want to protect that and this is the kind of uh, these are the, the the arguments that people aren't brave enough, I guess, at this point to stand up and really take a stand, which says, well, we allow it because once again, you start down that slippery slope of, well, you can't burn a Bible or you can't burn a Koran or you can't burn an American flag or, you know, LGBTQ flag. Once you start going down this line, who gets to decide that? the lgbtq flag now well that is obviously hate speech for somebody burning that flag now if you go by what this guy in the uk is talking about well if somebody takes the uh, oh look the beautiful that's right here on the shelf next to me this dr who mug that you sent me with the little tardis on the inside <laughs> if somebody picks that up and slams it to the ground because they don't like sci-fi nerds well, then they get 15 years yeah. in jail because that's obviously a hate crime. As much as it is to burn the LGBTQ flag, smashing a doctor who mug because you don't like sci-fi people. That's how is that different? I don't, I don't get it. Nobody's, really. in the, you know, it's just it's I think it's it's based in power. I think it's people who want to control others. You know, it's always if you look for it's like follow the money and, and then look for the, the power base. And, uh, that's frequently what's, uh, what's at play, you know, in, I guess a great term for that, that wraps all up, all up, I think is cultural Marxism. It's been around a long time. <clears throat> that's really what it is. Um, you're going to march to our tune and think and do as we say. And, uh, it's, it's really, it's terrifying. And I just, I just, you just wonder what is going to, you know, I'm a big fight fan. That's the only sport I really follow, uh, when there's, when I have a reason to, um, and most, most people, you know, most fights are, are the, rare as the knockout punch. You know, it's 15 rounds of pound or 12 rounds now, I should say, of pounding away that puts, puts an opponent on the mat. Um, and I feel like this Gervais thing was almost like the first punch or round one. And you wonder if that will embolden others uh, all over the place to speak their minds and call bullshit on bullshit. Because that's the only thing that's going to that's going to flip this equation and stop this. It has to be a a constant barrage of people who've had enough of being muzzled and saying what the fuck they want to say uh, without fear of reprisal. 
you know, how, but again, it's easy for a guy like him. He's, he's very wealthy. Um, he's got his fuck you money in the bank, you know, it's, it, but this is everywhere. I mean, how many corporations now are demanding to see people's social media before they'll <laughs> hire them? We want to know what you're all about. That's so fucked up. That's so incredibly fucked up. Really? Well, one for getting you hired and two, it can also get you fired now. If you have something on yes. your social media that doesn't, you know, kind of fit into oh, sure. the box that they want you to. I mean, I remember right. telling my, uh, you know, because again, when kids are in high school, and one of my nephews, you know, had some questionable stuff. But again, guys being guys, it wasn't really, you know, being offensive to anybody that wasn't trying to be offended. But before he went into college and was looking at getting, uh, you know, getting scholarships and that because he's a very bright guy. It's like you probably want to delete that. And he did. And he wiped that out. Sure. Because you're attaching these things to your name and they will follow mm-hmm. you around if you're if you're not careful. Right. And these are things, I mean, the funny thing was, I mean, we may have talked about one of the episodes that you were on the guys like the major league pitcher that was at the all-star game last year. I think it was Josh Hader who things surfaced from somebody went back into his Twitter account. I mean, he's in his twenties. Now somebody went back into his Twitter account from when he was in high school and him and his buddies were, you know, calling each other, you know, different names and using different, uh, you know, slurs, racial slurs on Twitter. And he was then forced to go, you know, go to man, whatever training it was, you know, sensitivity training and people just were all over him for something that he had did, you know, as a, as an idiot kid. And I just don't, I don't get that. I don't get being judged by something that happened, you know, at that age, because we're still as a nation, very confused about what kids are able to understand and not understand. I mean, this is, uh, you know, why, why are they still in school? If they're, if they're smart enough at like 15 or 16 to tell us gun policy and global warming, why are they still in school then? Really? Well, was this guy's last name actually spelled H-A-T-E-R? <laughs> H-A-D-E-R, but very close, right? It sounds like he's the hater. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> and it just is. It's, you know, it's just crazy, though, because these are the things people are going back to look at. And doing, you know, it's easy sure. to do searches. So it's not even like you can say, well, who's going to take their time to scroll through hundreds or thousands of messages? But Twitter makes it very easy to go, hey, I want to look up every yeah. post that that Larry show made and let me put any slur in. You know, they probably have a nice long list. And, and if any of these words mm-hmm. show up, show me the tweet and then boom, there they have the stuff they can retweet. Right. Even if it's a tweet from 10 years ago, whenever Twitter's been around, that you can retweet it mm-hmm. and cause somebody you know, cause somebody harm. But, uh, I, I mean, I applaud Ricky Gervais for what he did. I applaud David Chappelle who came out with that last special. That was very non PC, but that wasn't in front of the golden globes audience and taking right. swipes exactly at them. And there, there's one thing there. Cause there's the Don Rickles style of comedy, which part of what Ricky Gervais did at the golden globes definitely hearkened back to, but there was none of the there was none of the good naturedness when he was talking about the corporations. There was nothing that wasn't going to be no. you know that you could just pass off as oh well he's just joking about Apple and um, you know having sweatshop mm-hmm. kids and uh, you saw Tim Cook. I mean that was a great reaction from oh, from him. <laughs> I mean that was that was the money shot. Yeah. And but there was no way to no, play that shot. off as just a little bit of a joke. I mean, there was nothing that no. wasn't mean spirited no. about that. 
but again, prove yeah. me wrong, right? Prove prove that this isn't the case, and uh, and we can maybe talk. But I thought Ricky Gervais had one of the greatest comebacks when they said his comedy at the Golden Globes was just so it was so right wing, Larry, and he came back with, oh, really? "How is it right wing to poke fun at the largest, biggest tech corporations in the world and multi million right. dollar actors? How is that now right wing?" Yeah. I don't quite yeah. get the uh, I don't quite get that the switch yeah. that was flipped, but yeah. this is well, people. it's it's so I mean the hypocrisy. I mean, um, in fact, uh, you know, Apple products are made by people being paid slave wages, I guess, in in Asia, and uh, nobody seems to care. You know, all I mean, it's it's the it's the it's the divisive choice for students and uh, and Hollywood, and something interesting right there. Um, and if you tell them, hey, you know, look, look who's made that thing. And if you want to, if you want to be fair about it and have people paid a living wage, that that iPhone 11 is going to cost, or iPhone 12 is going to cost you five grand. You gonna pay that? Nope. Wonder what they'd say. <laughs> well, I mean, you're in beautiful California and you have kids. So, how bad is the yes. indoctrination in the school system there when it comes to the global warming thing? Oh, it's, it's incessant. It's, it's, you know, it just never ends. Um, everything, everything is shaded and colored, uh, with that. Everything, you know, that I see has some type of a, a political, uh, subtext or underpinning underpinnings. Um, it's really, it's, it's very sad. Um, it really is. Yeah. Well, so do they have straws in schools now? I mean, I know like Starbucks had to get rid of straws. <laughs> California straws were um, bad. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I, you know, that's a good question. Um, the straw thing. Um, I got to ask my my daughter about that. Because Maybe. This, I don't yeah, know. I mean, this stuff I, I, easily becomes just like commonplace, and nobody thinks about it. But when it comes to the global warming, there there are a few things that we could do as a nation that would really save a lot of power and there there's a few things one everybody gets rid of the suvs i mean obama told us when he yeah. was elected that he was going to do stuff and people wouldn't even want to drive suvs within a few years because of the the damage that they're doing to our, mm -hmm. our global footprint you know i, I drive around in, and i see almost nothing but suvs so i guess he failed right when it comes to that but do you know what would really save a lot of power? Get rid of your cell right. phones and get rid of the internet. Yeah. Why? Why is nobody talking <laughs> about this? Why yeah. is Why is this not yeah. AOC's number one thing? We have to get rid of cell phones. Yeah. Look at how the Earth has been uh, raped by the uh, laying of fiber optic cables uh, for all this shit and those disgusting cell phone towers, aren't they? An eyesore. And they what take power. They doing the environment. We're all getting zapped. Uh, and they take power all being zapped by uh by uh, whatever the fuck rays they're they're outputting you know sure but yeah see it's it always comes down to you know if it's uh i mean there was a there was a great story last week <clears throat> that really lit my jets some politician some small time like assembly jerk off uh i think it was some in the northeast somewhere might have been new york uh was he, he he's a big you know uh mad type no drunk driving whatever <laughs> he got pinched for drunk driving which is just rich <laughs> something so funny about that um but what nobody seemed to be outraged by was uh he was doing it in a fucking state uh funded vehicle 
And I'm like, <laughs> why, why should some fucking ombudsman or whatever the hell it was be given a car? Why are we buying him a car? Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Um, but it's, but it's the, the hypocrisy. It's, it's just everywhere. It's just everywhere. And it's, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, 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 it's very much down the lines of why the gun debate is first and foremost when it's for everybody on the left. Yet nobody, almost nobody, I'll be fair. There's one guy now. Did you, there was a story this morning that I, I have pulled up here. Uh, it was a Democrat. I was kind of surprised. Democratic state senator from Vermont. And this was I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because he's very clear that this bill mm-hmm. that he's proposing, he himself wouldn't even vote for it. It's just that yeah. he wanted it to start a conversation. And I'm my question I here would that. be, yeah. isn't there a better way to start a conversation yeah. than to actually draft a bill? But I guess this at least got it on all the news sites and it was clickbait to hell because you see this everywhere that the Vermont Vermont state Senator wants to ban cell phone use or ownership for anybody under 21. So the, of course that is a beautiful (laughs) headline to uh, very smart to, to pull it in. And so, yeah, he got the eyeballs and this is actually a very good thing. And I was surprised a little bit that, he was a Democrat, but he's a Democrat that one of the reasons he said he did this was because he's a Second Amendment supporter and he's seeing all of his colleagues go after that, where the cell phone is actually a more dangerous thing. More kids are dying than uh, than you may believe in the stat here. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, I think he said it was there's 11 kids a day. And maybe it was teenagers, whatever it was. I don't know the exact age range, but it was either 11 teenagers or 11 kids killed daily in automobile accidents where cell phones are a major cause now of distracted driving and issues. And that really at 11 a day takes the gun concept. I mean, when was the last time we heard of a mass shooting? I mean, it's been months now. So Mm -hmm. at 11 a day, bodies are really adding up here with the, with the cell phone stuff. But Nobody really wants to talk about it because just like we don't want to, you know, oh, we can't take cell phones away. And I'm wondering, is the reason because this the other reason why that somebody like AOC is not talking about cell phones as far as how they're impacting our planet? One, just from the materials that are needed to produce it, which is, you know, you need to mine Mm -hmm. these very, uh, you know, earth metals, very rare metals that go into the phones the technology and all the chips and all of this it's definitely taking a big hit the planet i mean if you're going to believe that co2 is bad making these phones are a really really bad thing but you're not hearing this from the fact that this is causing those issues you're not hearing this because of the power every day kids charging those cell phones that you know much power i mean even though it's minimal per phone how many millions of phones are out there how much power this is taking is it simply due to the reason that these are the indoctrination devices that we got. The kids got to have the cell phones. I mean, we got to be able yeah. to, to push these, the message to them. I mean, is that the only re I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, or am I just being a little too uh, crackpot about this? I know that's a Bemrose thing. Usually that's a good, you know, that's a, you know what I, if I, at first blush, I'd think that might be crackpot, but 
you're not that crackpotty, Darren. I, I mean, you had you got the, the an episode you did about um, uh, Al Gore and how that whole equation has been flipped on that hustler, where it was let's protect you know the children uh, from from n- nasty lyrics and how you saw you kind of had a, a really fresh take on uh, on that. Um, and could it be you know I don't know is there you know is it the uh, you know the the the, the shadow the shadow governments or whatever that have to keep these uh, these cell phones out there I don't, I don't know but I'll, I'll i'll take my give you my version of it i think people it's it's a lot almost like the drunk driving thing it took a quite a quite a bit of time for that to uh become a no-no you know i think a lot of a lot of cops a lot of people turned a blind eye to that because everybody was doing it and i think this texting while driving shit is the same exact thing are kids doing it well sure they are but you know what i see it fucking constantly on the freeways here in la and it's terrifying i mean now i have to it's not it's not anymore that you have to look ahead on the road you have to have your head on a on a like a fisheye in the front and back of your head constantly because you're always going to be surrounded by assholes texting and fucking around with their phones and you know what most of them i see are well into adulthood you know and they're the ones that aren't down with let's let's do something about this. Now they've legislated, I think that it's it's illegal to text, but you know clearly they're not enforcing it as they should. You know that's that's really maybe they should legalize freeway shootings. You see somebody texting, <laughs> you fucking fucking pop one in their cap in the temple, and then it's a it's a prophylactic. You know you kill them now instead of them killing a family two miles down the road. I don't know, right. um, but something. But you're absolutely right, it, and it's far 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 more dangerous. Than drunk driving because most drunks probably are trying. They're at least they have their eyes. They're looking at the road. It may they may be seeing two roads in front of them, you know. But they're still they're concentrating as opposed to some asshole who's looking at a fucking phone. That's just the worst. Well, it's another one of those laws too that it's very hard to enforce because who somebody actually has to see you that is a police officer either that or i mean i guess maybe you can get to the point if somebody can snap a picture of you but then we get down back to the to the uh you know making stuff up and the deep fakes and things like that Uh, so it usually only seem i know illinois has very stringent laws about even talking on the phone you know having a phone in your hand even up to your ear while driving Mm -hmm. is very strict uh punishments but do they allow Bluetooth? I mean, the speakerphone thing, or is that is that yes? Off the yeah, they allow too? the Bluetooth, it but is. you can't have your hands right. on the phone. And most people just okay. ignore that. And I think the only time it's ever really uh, enforced is if somebody is involved in an accident. And and by that time, again, it's too late because you're not the preventative right. measure that you were trying to do of making this a law. If you're only going to enforce it when somebody gets into an accident people have that mentality of well i'm a good driver i'm not going to get into an accident because i'm talking on the phone or i'm just gonna i have to take this call it'll just be two minutes and you don't you don't know what's going to happen in that uh in that period of time but as far as the phones as an indoctrination device including you know this tablets the same way the internet this is something that you know i've talked about on you know random thoughts i know i've talked about with ryan here on grumpy old ben's is that the the whole concept of cell phones, the internet, the all of these devices is so different than when I was growing up. When I was growing up, the only way I could communicate with somebody outside of my house was to be on the telephone. And my parents knew when I was on the telephone. 
you know, for most of the time there was one line, then we had two, but still you could tell if somebody's on the telephone, you could pick it up. You could actually hear what's going on. You know, that started to change a little bit when I was what, like 12, 13, whenever I got that color computer from TRS, uh, TRS 80 Coco from Radio Shack and added a modem to it and start discovering things like bulletin boards. But overall, the, you know, our generation, our parents were able to very easily, one, control what we were seeing and hearing. Two, they were able to control who we were communicating with. And that is something that is so totally different now. And this is something you're a parent, so you can tell me much better than just me postulating here. When you have kids on these devices, how do you even know what they're doing? And are you worried about that? And do you have conversations before they get the phone or the tablet at whatever age that says, you know, hey, these are the dangers here? How do you deal with kids and this technology? Um, I tried to um, basically what, what we did, my wife and I, was we just, just didn't let them have access to, to them until they were of a certain age and once once they do i mean if anybody thinks that they are going to successfully screen and or monitor what their kids are doing with their phones or tablets or laptops they're out of their fucking minds you would have to post a 24-hour guard on them you know when i was a kid i would read a comic book under the the covers in bed at night with a flashlight right right well guess what Kids are taking their cell phones and, and, and devices and doing the same exact thing. I mean, it's, it's not possible. It is not possible to, 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 to monitor everything. Um, so w- the, only, the only line of defense is to try to, um, you know, school them before they get their mitts on one and have their compass set correctly uh, before they, they log on. That's really, that's the only way I could see it, you know, having some, some influence or direction. Right, because you understand that you have no control once the device is in their hand. And I don't think most parents do, no. nor do I think most no. parents are as, as conscientious as you and the missus who say, hey, before you get this, we're having a conversation about this and just go, oh, well, all their friends have one. So here's a smartphone. And I don't think they consider no. the fact that once somebody is on the Internet, you know, and on things like Instagram, which to me. Mm-hmm. Things like Twitter before they had the the photographs was a lot safer. Just doing text sure. messaging back and forth is very safe to a certain extent. But yeah. once you start posting photographs, you're adding a lot of different things. One is people get a sense of where you are, you know, especially if you're doing things out mm-hmm. and about, you know, near landmarks oh, yeah. or you can figure out, hey, there's snow on the ground. It's like people can be very easily targeted you know, especially girls, I would think, I mean, I, that's much, Mm -hmm. a much bigger issue. And I just don't understand if the parents realized, you know, these kids that have Instagram accounts or whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter which social media platform it's like, you're opening them up to the world. Anybody can message them. I think a lot of parents just believe, well, they're just on, you know, Instagram talking to their friends and don't understand this is a global thing. Sure. Well, I thought you did a great job in your show when you talked about Teen Vogue. And how do you deal with that? That's, I mean, the, the only thing, like I said, is just sort of have their, try to have their heads on straight before they even look at shit like that. So that if and when they do see it, they can recognize it for the shit that it is. Yeah, is it kind of sad really that 
that the it's very uh, sad. that the predators I think maybe are less offensive than Teen Vogue. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yes, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you got to wonder who's at the helm at Team at Teen Vogue. You know, <laughs> what's what's that person like? Um, you know, because there's always somebody at the top that's setting the tone wherever it is. But um, I definitely think this is the reason why we're seeing such a radical change in viewpoints from the younger generation that, you know, a lot of them want speech to be curtailed. They want laws that yes. don't allow this hate speech. Yes. And it's because of the, the indoctrination that they're getting. And these devices, yeah. I think, are a big place they're getting. You're right. Schools are another one, because at some point, and I think a lot of this did start, I always point back to the Weather Underground and Bill Ayers in the 1960s that talked about Hey, if we're going to win this revolution, because Bill Ayers realized after, you know, bombing the Pentagon and uh, a couple mm-hmm. of other places and going to, you know, doing some time for that. So actually a terrorist, that domestic terrorist that was caught and tried now a college professor. I mean, if that doesn't sure. say everything you need to know, but their concept back then was, OK, you know what? We're not going to win this war to in the war back then very similar to the war now for them uh, the, the weather underground the people with these kind of viewpoints was um comes down to capitalism is bad we need to go to a marxist socialist kind of system we need to crash the system because the only way you're going to get rid of the system that the united states has is to completely crash the system so badly that it has to be replaced and the things they right. talked about in the 60s in the manifesto, everybody should go read it. It's on the archive, uh, archive.org and other places online. A lot of it revolved around, well, you know, we need to take over the media and the schools. And damn it, if that didn't happen. I mean, it maybe took 50 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. But damn it, if that didn't happen. I mean, prove, I mean, prove to me that's not the case at this point, if you want to try. But it seems pretty obvious that the the ideologies of a vast majority i mean so anybody can bring up i'm sure there are some schools in middle america with a bunch of very conservative teachers but overall especially when you're dealing with la new york chicago you know i don't even want them to be conservative teachers i want them to keep politics the fuck out of the classroom in every way left or right just leave it the fuck alone it's not where it belongs but it's all that matters to them now i mean even the things like oh we it's can't all say that, that matters to them. yes what, yes, what do you think about all, all this like well we can't say the pledge of allegiance because that's bad now right right you know right. it's 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 so wrong it's so wrong it's it's um yeah <laughs> well you know the thing is you hear a lot of a uh, lot of people say um you know, from that, from that ilk, from the, from the teaching class and, and the media, you know, about controlling the narrative. And you're right. I mean, the, 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 uh, the heirs, these manifestos, how they're going to achieve their goals. And one of them is control the narrative. But what, what I think is often overlooked is before you get to the narrative, um, you have to control the vocabulary and God damn it. They're very fucking good at that. Because here we are, we're now, you know, an hour and a half into the show talking about a topic that they invented. Right. And that topic is hate speech. 
Why do we even fucking recognize that? It's like, you know, and they keep changing the vocabulary. You know, first it was, it was, uh, it was the environment and I'm fine. I, I want a good environment. I'm all for that. Then, then it became global cooling in the seventies, a new ice age. Then it became global warming. That didn't work. Then it became climate change. And now it's climate crisis and climate catastrophe. Okay. It keeps, they keep tweaking the verbiage and, um, this, this whole concept of hate speech, when we accept it and talk about it, we're giving credence to it. We're giving it a platform. It should be dismissed out of hand. Like what the fuck, what is that? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't talk that that's a, that's a nonsensical term. And, uh, I'm, I'm not using it anymore than I would talk in, uh, without vowels or consonants in, in a sentence. I'm not doing that. It's just, there, there is only speech. You want to talk about speech? Let's talk about speech. I don't know what hate speech is. We're not talking about that. Well, I'm sure the guy that got 15 years for burning a flag is right on that same, uh, you know, on that same yeah. viewpoint. I mean, you go to the court, well, this is not real. And they're like, well, we're giving you 15 years. It seems pretty damn real. Yeah. And which is the only reason <laughs> we real. are talking <laughs> about it is if this was just a concept that people were like, oh, hate speech is bad. But when you actually have this in play, I mean, how did we get so yeah. far that it's not only in play, yeah. but the right. courts are going along with it. In Iowa, exactly. this is something I'd expect in you know San Francisco. This is something yes. I'd expect in New York, where I think it's against the law now, and you could do time for calling somebody an illegal immigrant. I mean, these are the places mm. I expect this. I didn't expect this in Iowa. I mean, that's no. that's where it's really kind of hitting home and getting scary. Is that these things, these concepts, are getting so rooted in that? Oh well, you burn that flag, and you know, again, I would normally say that he should have gotten a slap on the wrist you know uh, um but you look at these laws that say anything under a thousand dollars is you know fair game we're not even go we can't even do anything about this anymore so you know to me the only punishment the guy should have probably gotten was buy him a new flag you know that is you know this concept that a group was somehow harmed it's like show me the harm in the lgbtq community because this guy stole a flag and took it he didn't even take it it'd be one thing if you're like well he took it to a gay pride parade you know he doused it in gasoline he lit it on fire and he threw it at people well okay that would be more dangerous he took it to an empty parking lot as far as i can tell and lit it on fire so i i just don't still can't wrap my head around that any court in the land is going to say that is a a hate crime where you know if you did the same thing with an american flag rush limbaugh talking about this made the made the uh comment that if somebody were to sneak into mar-a-lago and pull down the american flag or if there was a trump flag whatever it was and and lit that on fire they would be heralded by the media as heroes so how is that different i mean everything that goes almost everything that goes against trump and people that are wearing MAGA hats, then all has to be considered hate crimes. And I don't know if anybody wants to go down this road because, as you said, all speech is speech. All, you know, crime is crime. It's, it's crime by its basic um, definition is something you shouldn't be doing. I just don't understand how you add extra weight to any crime because of the motivation for it i mean it goes down to does somebody get less time 
for a non hate killing. I don't know. Is what is the point That's of an interesting? There you go. Maybe like a uh, like a penalty discount. That's a good idea. I wonder if some attorney is <laughs> going to hear this and use that in court for his for his defendant. You know, this guy. You know, he he threw that Molotov cocktail through that window, but it, it was he, he was it was love that was the motivator. So, Your Honor, you have to knock his sentence down to you know five months from five years. Come on, <laughs> right? It's not hate, you know, and yeah. uh, you know, a lot. I think a lot of this is because the. You know, those in the deep state, those that are on the left, you look at what Trump has been doing on Twitter. And I know for a fact that the people that run Twitter would probably be much happier if they could have just banned him and gotten him off the platform. But you then set the, you know, again, how, how could we do it? What would be the justification? The fact that he's using their own tool against them. I think infuriates them and it. it also bypasses the media. So there's no way for his words to be, you know, I mean, they're still trying to do it in the news reports, but you can go straight to his Twitter account and read exactly what he said. And I think it is a, uh, a little bit like the Gervais thing. It's this, it's a game changer when anybody can go directly to an audience and speak to them. And Trump yeah. seems more than happy to avoid the mainstream media because he knows the treatment he's getting there and he could just post his own tweets, post his own videos, do whatever he wants. And there's, there's really not a damn thing they can do about it. So, you know, while a lot of people are like, well, he shouldn't say all these things. It's like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, obviously you're a fight fan. So you're somebody that understands sparring and going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And while Trump may not be the most eloquent president we've had, um, he seems to know how to hold his own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, you wonder where this is. You know, as a kid growing up, this is, you know, I'm, I go back a ways and remember a number of elections and so forth. And, you know, politics has always been a part of life. But it seemed that there was never this incredible chasm, this divide. And we, we really do have two Americas now. And I don't know what the hell's ever going to stitch them back together. It seemed that pre at the time of 9-11, um, which I'm sure you recall, you know, people sort of, um, there was, there was this, this uh, sense of, uh, you know, of um, uh, one nation, you know, <laughs> under God. I mean, everybody sort of clung together. It's holy shit, you know, right. we're, all in, we're all in this together. That's fucking over, man. That is so gone. It, it, it's, it's beyond belief. And what the hell is going to turn that tide? I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's as if there are two different species of, of humans inhabiting or varieties inhabiting, uh, this, this country. Um, and one is, is steeped in being pissed off all the time and outraged and, uh, and wants to control everything. And the other, it's either, you either like freedom or you don't. And it's the ones that want government boot on their neck. They want, they want speech curtailed. They want everybody marching in lockstep. They should fucking move to North Korea. Really? Maybe, they, maybe that's, maybe that's the answer. Start setting up a ferry boat service over there <laughs> to Pyongyang, you know, because that's the way it comes. That's the way it comes off, you know? Um, and, and, and the, and the, the weirdest part of it is that it's, it's the, it's the youth culture that is so in favor of a suppressive culture a suppressive society 
which, you know, when I was a kid in college, it was, it was the reverse, the establishment, the man, you know, those, those are the fucks who are holding everybody down. Now it's, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kids in school and, and recently out of school that are, they're on that side of the fence. It's mind blowing. Well, it is. I don't, I don't quite understand it. I don't, you know, and again, this has to come down. There has to be a reason. And I don't think it's their parents teaching them that. And I think it is the internet things they're reading the group. Well, of course it's bad. You know, Larry, if somebody's going to say something negative about the LGBTQ community, I mean, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. And it's like, parents aren't standing up and going, well, no, no, they should be allowed to say that. Now you don't have to agree with that, but at some point, these people that you're allowing to control the speech are going to be wrong about something, even if they're right about this. And I don't think they are, but say they are right about this. Well, at some point they're going to be wrong. And if nobody can stand up and, and be the voice of reason without fearing reprisal in some very serious consequences, I don't know what you do. And I think you're right that we've gone from a point where when, uh, you know, we were growing up, there was the point that there was a two-party system that really fought like hell every four years for the presidential race and then got together for three years and actually tried to compromise and actually tried to work together most of the time. And that has now turned. I mean, let's just understand how much this has turned. One, you had Barack Obama recently making comments about how far left his party is going and why that's a bad thing. And we have people that just don't understand the relationship between uh, Michelle Obama and George W. Bush, who are buddies. And it seems like you know weird bedfellows to, to a lot of these people who can't understand that you can be on a different political party and still be friends with somebody else. I mean, that was the same thing with Ellen DeGeneres sitting with Bush at a uh, football game or something and taking a whole lot of crap like how could you do that and it's like i mean this is the world we've gotten to to where everything again for these kids that want everything to be non-binary when it comes to gender they're very binary when it comes to the political spectrum because if you're on one side you better not mix Mm -hmm. with the other and that is a very dangerous precedent i think absolutely maybe everybody needs some type of a tattoo on their forehead <laughs> declaring what they are and then left uh, then, right then, uh, De- <laughs> then deborah messing won't need her list of uh, hollywood people she doesn't want to work with and just just look at them you'll know huh, it's one of them i'm not talking to you i'm not going to sit next to you i'm not going to work with you <laughs> well i you know the, the, like you let's say, embrace everybody <laughs> right well that's it that's the that is the hypocrisy of the sure. left fighting for inclusion fighting for everybody to have equal rights and then it's well, no, you just you you don't have the same belief as I am. Well, f- screw you. But yeah. that's not everybody being inclusive. That's not everybody having equal rights. And it's like it's one thing, you know, if somebody doesn't believe in homosexuality, like the guy that burned the flag, you know, because he has a different point of view. Well, now you're excluding him. You know, he didn't attack personally anybody. You know, he burned a piece of cloth, which we've been taught for years. That's okay. When you're mad at America, it's okay. Go burn a flag. You see it all the time. So that's what he did. That's what he was taught because the left taught him how to do it. They taught him if you're mad at a country like America, you go burn their flag. So he went and burned the LGBTQ flag. Well, that's hate speech. That's going to get you 15 years in prison. That's totally different 
than burning the American flag. It's like you can't have it both ways. Now, if he were to attack a person and you know cause physical harm, then by all means, he should go to jail. But as you said, oh, people, yeah. the different groups shouldn't have different protections. You know, that's it just doesn't make any sense that you need extra protection. It shouldn't be. Well, you know, it's OK to run a white guy over with a car. But, you know, if he's Hispanic or if he's black, then then that's obviously a hate crime. I, I don't get it. I really don't. And uh, I don't think there is any answer because I think the answer comes down to education and the answer comes down to stopping the indoctrination and, and the, let's just say if you want to believe a large part of the problem is the current set of teachers that, that are currently teaching in the united yes. states and I, i'm not i'm not putting right. the blame 100 percent on them but let's just say that's your thesis that you know let's just say the teachers and the media are causing a vast majority of this how do you change mm-hmm. that could you come up with a solution that says, well, here's how we're going to replace those teachers and here's how we're going to replace these uh, the media? <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it, it's going to take, you know, God knows how it's if it's taken. I think you said earlier, 50 years for this to to happen. It's going to take it's going to take that and more, I would think, to unwind it. Or the only other thing, you know, what tends to really accelerate um, um cultural norms being bent in one way or the other as a big fucking war man that will that will flip <laughs> people on their asses faster than anything and you know what's that old adage uh, hard times make soft people yeah you know or or uh, no i'm sorry i get it backwards uh easy times make soft people and hard times make you know whatever and i think uh, you know america has been living in this uh, amazing hammock of of uh, of good times for such a long time really since you know probably i guess you could say the vietnam era but it wasn't a world war um probably world war 2 um when it was really serious that uh the priorities of the masses have become so so uh, meaningless such crap that people have time to be concerned about relatively minor issues, uh, a good war, a good famine, a good uh, uh, a plague, you know, I think that would readjust everything in a fucking hurry. But absent that, it would take 50 years of, of guys like Gervais uh, continuing to mouth off so it could sort of uh, uh, diffuse and percolate up uh, through, the, through, the, uh, through the culture and, and, and reset um uh the compass of america i think you're right i'm kind of surprised they didn't just drag him off the stage in handcuffs but uh i think you're right that maybe kids <laughs> are a little too coddled now and if you think about it i mean this isn't my generation it's, it's not I, just you know it's not just kids it's everybody you know it's everybody and i mean america i mean people don't realize how fucking good Americans have it until you look around the rest of the world where people are wondering where they're going to get their next meal. They have no right. running water. Are they going to take a dump? You know, life is hard. They're not thinking about what's going to offend me. Okay. They've got bigger issues, more pressing things to deal with. And it's just been that way. And even, you know, and it was never that bad in America, but you know, I guess back in the, in the late thirties and early forties, people are thinking, oh, they get this fucking maniac in Europe. You know, we gotta, we gotta get together here and stop this asshole. Um, so there was, there were, there were more pressing issues on the horizon than, um, identity politics. Right. But 
Well, now we embrace as the youth embraces those same kind of concepts that, which is also the irony. I I will never understand the people that will line up and have a little parade that is protesting, saying Trump's a fascist. And then they're also saying down with the uh, second amendment. I mean, so the government's fascist, but please take our guns. I mean, that's literally what they're doing. And it's, uh, and it's beyond that now with speech and, you know, I, I guess the generational shift may be that when you go back into the time of World War II, at 18 years right. old, kids were off fighting wars. Now, right. the it's just very weird to me, and I think we've talked about this before, that kids have no interest in driving. Kids have uh, very little interest well, in moving true. out of mom and dad's basements. You know, I mean, it used to be... Um, you know, once you got to be 16, you got the license, you were out of the house doing more. Yeah. You're still under a little sure. control. Once you're 18, you're an adult. But, you know, mm-hmm. now there's a lot of kids and I, I, I call them kids because that's how they're acting. But, you know, these are adults at 22, 23, 25 that are either still just, you know, jazzing along in school and keep taking more classes, whether they graduated or going to master's right. or whatever they're doing that are avoiding a lot of what you'd consider is real world responsibilities and it's just it's just strange that nobody wants to kind of take control of their own life anymore this is i guess really maybe that is the biggest change which is you know the kids want to live at home they're still under their parents roofs and then beyond that they want to be under this bubble of a government Mm -hmm. that will keep you from offending somebody else i mean that's like where's personal responsibility in this is it totally gone well, I think the core issue still comes back to, do you like liberty and freedom or not? Do you want to be a fucking slave? Do you want to be, to be uh, beholden to somebody else? Want somebody else wiping your ass and, and spoon feeding you? Well, you're on this side of the fence. You want to self-determine and say what you want and think? Then you're on that side of the fence. You know, it's, it's, a, very, it's a pretty simple um, dividing line between the, uh, between the factions. And, and I, you know, why that is... I don't know. Again, I think it's probably because this this nation has had it too easy for too long. And some, unfortunately, the only thing that's going to reset that is some calamitous situation, whatever the fuck it is. And you never know. <laughs> well, anything you could happen. What, what's around it. Anything could happen. <laughs> I mean, people were thinking Trump was about to start World War Three with Iran. And oh, God. It seems oh, that that was that nothing funny? more than, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a few saber rattlings and, uh, and uh, Curry, Adam Curry called this. I mean, they talked about this. What did he uh, say? I missed that. What did he say? They talked about it the, uh, on the show. This was uh, um, two shows ago. So today's Friday. This was the you know, last Sunday, the show when this was okay. all starting, that there was a, you know, kind of a vibe that maybe this whole killing the general was sanctioned by the people that were actually in control in iran because they wanted to get rid of him as well and they were willing to make a deal and that was what he called on sunday and by thursday's show you saw iran's response which was send out like 15 missiles which didn't kill one person and i mean i know there's bad aim but right they sent out 15 missiles which didn't kill one damn person I mean, the only question you have to ask is who was on the airliner that they downed accidentally that had to be silenced. Yeah. But 
Yeah. When, it, when it comes down to it, everybody was like, oh, no, they're, you've pushed Iran. We're, we're about to get nuked. And it's like Iran, not only did they just push off those 15 or so missiles that didn't kill any Americans, they actually, after the 15 missiles, publicly stated, okay, that was our response. That was our revenge. Uh, we're done now. <laughs> Which is right. like, and please, no, no reprisals. Let's all, let's all go get back to stick to our knitting. And <laughs> I know right. it's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, it's like, and you look at this and you go, that's just, that's just bizarre. But both, you know, both sides, you know, Trump and the guy from Iran are on Twitter. So, I mean, I guess they could talk there. Which is a very weird yeah. thing when you, again, think about Isn't communications it? in our day and age, which is you don't know who's talking to who and who's uh, communicating with even, you know, as much as you want to well, believe you can. Didn't the Ayatollah call Trump a retard or something? He doesn't, doesn't he know that's hate speech and that's verboten? And why didn't Twitter cancel his account because he used that word? I think he did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That seems that there's a very one-sided <laughs> When it comes down to how these, you know, and we've talked about that before, social media as the judge and jury and the canceling and the silencing that when that becomes one sided, that is just as big of a problem as anything else. But I do believe that this new generation that we have out there, um, it doesn't bode well because you have the dojo and you have the take no shit attitude. And that is not what these kids seem to have in mind they instead of take no shit it's kind of like the government will protect me from having to take any shit and right that's a scary thing too it's like personal responsibility make your own way this the concept and everything gets bastardized at one point or another the whole concept in the united states which has always worked so well is that all men and women are created equal it doesn't say they are equal and people miss that word are created so true man that's so true because you know we are if we are but by the time we're 18 or 21 we've usually managed to fuck ourselves up pretty good and then we're not equal (laughs) at all (laughs) you take you take different paths people are good at different things The, the concept that everybody is equal it's like well i can disprove that very easily and which is why we have problems with the lgbtq trying to get into you know a trans guy group competing in women's sports and just overshadowing everybody else. It's like, because that's not equal, you know, as a, as a six foot six guy, you know, bring me any five foot five woman and I'll probably be able to lift her and throw her. And she's probably not going to be able to lift and throw me. We're not all equal. Yes. When you start trying to believe in the fairy tales, when you start trying to believe in the insanity that's being pushed, that everybody is equal that's where you really start having problems with the hate speech and that's really the hate crimes and the thought crimes and everybody else because this is where people stop uh being logical and start short-circuiting because they want everybody to be equal but some people you know i think uh you know you and i have very nice voices as composed as compared to maybe uh uh, maybe my other co-host of the show who always says he hates his voice but uh there are people that are better at certain things as as the rhyme of the day, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that yet. I've been I'm holding up Ryan's end of this thing. I better get my ass in gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right now, let's see. He would have been. Yeah, I mean, I would have been interrupted 47 times, and uh, you know that's. Uh, I think Ryan nice. has a perfectly pleasant voice, and uh, and you know, to quote MLK, it's not the uh, it's not the color of his voice; it's the content of his of his speech. How about that? 
and he is he, he is awake and i still don't understand why he didn't want to uh, broadcast today but he's trolling in the troll room at noagendastream.com well that's and he's, good and he said men and women are not created equal women are much more pointy so uh i, I can't disagree with that. uh s- some some are and um and some some are and the pointy ones um are actually uh the uh you know they they really they rage against the patriarchy Get, i don't want to say matriarchy because matriarchy sort of has overtones of matronly right but really if you think about who really really runs the world it's not the illuminati it's not the politicians it's the hot chicks they control the fucking planet <laughs> and anybody who doesn't see that isn't looking very closely really that is true you melania know, I mean, is running the world right now probably yeah yeah she could be a russian spy broad. yeah I mean, she, she could she, she could be absolutely <laughs> yes yes but they you know they, they're the ones that they run everything my god i mean come on I, I, that always blows my mind you know <laughs> people don't see that you know well because the they want to believe all... everybody was created equal oh okay well um just color me stupid <laughs> i missed that <laughs> and 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 now now see now bem rose is saying that he wasn't invited it's like no he said he was going to be in hawaii and he wasn't going to be doing the show i guess he's just jealous now that he's probably sitting there in hawaii although i'm assuming he's like in a hammock with some kind of like yeah. uh, you know boat drink in one hand open hawaiian shirt yeah. listening to the show being jealous that he's not on but he'll yeah. be back next week his brother is going to do a show with me tomorrow which is one i knew you know i wasn't sure but i thought he would probably check in on the show we were doing but i know that tomorrow when his brother is coming on the show he's going to want to be involved in uh, I, we can't let him on the stream though either tomorrow because his brother's concept for the show if you haven't heard larry was he wanted to do a show talking about everything ryan's been wrong about in the first 40 whatever episodes i heard that, <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> and like i was like the paul krugman thing <laughs> right when when, some, yeah. when, when, I, when i was presented with that idea i was like well how can i say no to that idea for ryan's brother can explain I heard him when he sat in that was that was a fun show you guys were doing the whole gun thing and uh it was it was very interesting a lot of fun yeah another misunderstood yeah. topic with a lot of people that have viewpoints who've oh. never fired a weapon who um don't understand and this this is where a lot of things i always come down to when it, the, the bullying thing started which is what has snowballed into the hate speech it's like do you really think you're going to yeah. stop the you know five six eight-year-old kids from insulting each other and saying mean things and mm-hmm. the, the concept that people think behavior can be legislated is is a uh, scary thing yeah well i think maybe the perfect uh, current object lesson in uh, in dealing with bullying was this uh, this iranian general this uh, Soleim, Soleim, was it soleimani i mean that's how you do it you know you just you, you hit hit them so hard they never get up or you blow them to little tiny pieces which i guess is what they did to him that's the way you deal with a bully <laughs> you know you, you don't use your words you don't reason with them because the only thing they deal in is is violence and power so i mean right and you gotta fight that with i mean that's the other concept too with america kind of becoming soft it's do you not think you know whether it's iran or north korea or whether it's you know the you know russia the soviet union re come you know getting back together to be you know china to be a threat i've never understood 
the people that are so against the United States. I mean, I don't want to be the world's police, but you have to be involved no. somewhat in the world. And the concept that, well, you know what? This is when Obama was elected, remember, because Bush, Bush was the reason why we were having mm-hmm. the terrorist attacks. Once Obama got elected, mm-hmm. all that was going to stop because the world was going to love America. Did the world love America once Obama right. got elected? Mm-hmm. No. No. There, there were still bad things happening. And the, this concept, which I think a lot of the, you know, millennial aged folks now have are, well, you know, what do we need the military for? If we're if we just don't bother anybody, nobody's going to attack don't us. Don't leave us alone. Right. Sure. Because that's ever that's ever worked in the history of humankind even once. Right. Right. No, it hasn't. But, you know, as, as a typical grumpy old Ben's, we over talked a topic. We've discussed it to death and have really <laughs> no conclusions on how to make it better. No, we haven't resolved. We have not resolved a fucking thing, except that I, I, I'm telling you, you're wrong again, because I, like I said, I've been asleep at the wheel here doing, trying to do the Ryan thing. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm nice. telling you wrong about, but just like, what was it? Remember the Trump thing? It was, it was like a meme wrong. <laughs> uh-huh. You should have that. You should have that as a fucking sounder on this show, Darren. <laughs> and Ryan can just hit that button wrong. <laughs> You're right. You're wrong. And then just move on. You don't even have to say anything else. I mean, really, we could replace him with a soundboard, I think is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> no, the, no, that's not what I'm saying. But it would be, that'd be a fun addition. Wrong. It's the, it's the Bemro soundboard. And uh, it could work. It could be coming to a podcast near you at any time. And uh, like I said, he'll be back and he'll have his chance to to rebut anything that he's heard in his absence. Nobody's trying to replace. I mean, that was the one day. Um, well, I think left. his brother's trying to replace him. I, th- I think you're <laughs> angling for a, for a Cain and Abel deal thing. I think you're a fucking provocateur. And uh, these guys, they sounded like they're pretty close. But I think when you're finished with them, they're going to hate each other's guts. It's good content. It's good. That's all that really matters. <laughs> right? People, con- yeah, conflict. Conflict is good. Yeah. People want to tune in. See, I didn't know he was. He left for Hawaii last Friday, yeah. like just mere hours after the show yeah. was done being recorded. And I'm like, do you really want to record a show while getting ready to go to the airport? And, yeah. you know, he's like, well, yeah, like, OK. Uh, but the one episode I told him, uh, our buddy, Sir Matthew was going to be sitting in and his question was uh as a guest or am i being replaced and i just said yes because so i figured that was the, <laughs> that was the safest answer uh yes <laughs> yes i loved that air, airline show too that was that was just great and uh, you had me you had me raging because that's of course i mean everybody it's it's just become a fucking nightmare and um you know that is that is the reason that is i mean it's it's the interesting thing is it's it's the it's 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 the unholy alliance i guess the crony capitalism of the airline industry and the lobbyists and uh, and the government and and because of those fucking weasels from the airline ind- industry that's why we're all suffering be, suffering so much because they have been greasing and sucking the dicks of of congress for decades now and the whole system is configured in their favor and fuck the customer, which by the way, let's, let's do the verbiage thing again. Ever notice airlines never, ever refer to you as a customer because that means you might be right. You're paying the bills. <laughs> Instead, you're a passenger. Guess what? A fucking hitchhiker in my car is a passenger and I can throw his ass out anytime I want. Customer, not true. Different item. 
and the airlines do throw people off the plane all the time for yes, crazy they reasons. Now. Sometimes they beat the sh- sometimes they beat the shit out of them before they throw them off the plane, don't they? Yeah, it's it's an industry that it's just interesting to watch from the beginning until now, where when it was the inception of passenger travel was so glamorous and you see the pictures and everybody's dressed up and you see the seats and it's like you've got you know three feet in between each chair and uh it's like how did we get to being nothing more than a cattle call to horrible and, and it's not only is it horrible but it literally is a health hazard for people that are over oh, yeah. like six foot. Oh, and you know what? I can't imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm only six feet, you know, and I can't imagine how a fucking guy your size can ride in coach class. I just, how the fuck do you even get into those seats? I mean, I don't understand that. How do you do that? The, I can't well, imagine that. Yeah. It's literally the last time we've flown was um, three or four years ago on Southwest. And your knee is, if you don't get an exit row, your knee is literally yeah. touching the chair in front of you. Not just touching like, oh, I can feel it. It's like it's in and you're pushing the padding of the chair in. And then when the uh, you know Yahoo in front of you decides they want to try to push their seat back, they realize they can't move even a, you know, a tenth of an inch because, you know, my yeah. knee's in his back. And I'm sure it's not comfortable for him when every time I move. But, you know, what? screw the airlines for not providing something. For people that are a little bit taller. Yeah. Well, this is how the government is in bed with them because you really can't sue them. They've got the system rigged against the customer slash passenger. I had an idea some years ago. I was on a flight to, uh, fuck, I can't remember where it was, but it was, uh, it was like, uh, filled with business people. And I think we sat on a runway in Dallas for, I'm going to say six, six hours, not going anywhere, you know, and people are like, Hey, let me off this fucking plane. I'll rent a car. No, you can't. <laughs> right. I mean, unbelievable. It was just, it was truly, it was truly kidnapping, you know? And I was talking to this guy next to me and he turned out, he was an, he was an attorney. And I said, let me ask you something. Why isn't there a, what if, what if a, an attorney like you put together a class action suit? And what if you got a hold of every person on this plane? And there was over 200, it was a big plane and said, Hey, you, uh, what do you do? And, and you're, you're, you, you have to be some, you have to be in, uh, in LA or New York, wherever the fuck it was. And you're missing a, 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 a sales call and you, you're missing something else and, and put together an aggregate number of all the money, the thousands, tens, hundreds, maybe millions of dollars that were lost in business deals because of this fucking delay. And then presented that tab to the airlines. Here's what, you, here's what your fuck up cost us pay you know and he's like well, that's an interesting idea but he's, he told me he says it'll never happen because it is so gimmicked it's so rigged in the airline's favor that you couldn't even you couldn't you couldn't find a court in the country that would take that case how about oh, that yeah it obviously is and i'm assuming it was a little bit warm when you're talking about being on a runway for six hours and uh oh unless it was the middle it of was the night. fucking brutal the, it was no, it was in the afternoon. It was in the summertime. It was baking in there. Uh, the, you know, the toilets were overflowing. There was nothing to drink there. I mean, it was, it was fucking unbelievable, unbelievable. And to be a captive, like, are you kidding me? This is absurd. This is absurd. And if you got up and popped that hatch, you know, you'd have the FBI have, would have you in handcuffs in a second, because, because again, they have completely rigged it against the guys that are paying the bills, you and me. 
Right. And I understand delays. I mean, I get delays and planes are going to, you know, there's secure or, you know, safety issues. Something goes wrong, but I will never understand how they can keep people on an airline that long on the plane without giving you the option to, you know, to get the hell off. That would be, you know, that would be the one thing. It's like, I would think after, you know, a half hour, hour, it should be, well, you have to return to a gate and anybody that wants to get off can until you can fix whatever it is that needs to be fixed to to let you go on your way but it is it's an industry that's obviously nearly impossible to sue and as i said in the mm-hmm. airline issue there the airlines have put the uh, the concept out there that maybe we should be able to charge passengers based on their weight and i'm kind of for that even though i'm a big guy oh yeah i'm for that mm-hmm. because once you do that you also have to take into account my height and give me a seat i can fit in so if you want to charge right. me because I'm a guy that's six foot six and like 250 pounds. Well, then I get it. You know, I will, mm-hmm. uh, I will pay a little bit more, but I want a seat that I can actually fit in and that my legs aren't hitting the chair in front of me because there's really no reason why you can't make that happen. There are people, again, not everybody is equal. The woman no. that's four foot nine is way more comfortable on an airline than me. That's not equal. <laughs> you know, uh, no, it's uh, not. We're the we're the disenfranchised. The yeah. Well, the reason is greed. I mean, there is absolutely no talk about lack of regulation. There is no uh, legal limit to the amount of seats they can bolt into a fucking plane. So truly, if they wanted to bolt into the ceiling and some asshole would pay to fly hanging upside down by a seatbelt, <laughs> that would be OK. That would be just fine with the FAA. And that's a stone fucking fact. Okay. That's how fucked up that industry is. Yeah. Ryanair. I mentioned that in the, in the show we did last week, which was there. They have the, the, the drawings, they filed them. They've gotten okays that if they want to do this thing, which are more like, uh, think bicycle seats with very little, mm-hmm. you know, padding behind you that you're kind of bolted <laughs> into. It's like, yeah, is that, this is such a far way from, the airliners of the fifties and sixties where you wanted to go and fly. And it was a joy. And, you know, again, I never lived through those times, but it's gotten worse, you know, in my lifetime, no doubt about it. As far as the seats getting smaller and smaller, that it's no longer fun. And I would, you know, I would embrace these trains and I really do would hope they would get the trains that can move a little bit faster because I understand Mm -hmm. it's a major inconvenience. I can fly from here in Chirac out by you in LA in like five or six hours where a train's mm-hmm. going to take two days oh. plus, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, you know, I'm sure the ride would be much nicer, but you know, if you got that train down, if you could do it within like 24 hours, if you could cut that time in half, that would become oh, yeah, a much more, yeah, much more doable thing. And okay, why aren't yeah. we worried about that instead of hate speech? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't <sighs> quite get straws. it. And, right. And oh yeah. The bags. <laughs> the straws and the bags that's obviously going to be the yeah. problem uh, but cell phones aren't the problem don't worry about it and uh no. we'll, we'll point you no. in the right direction you don't want to listen to logic you don't want to listen to reason no. and which is why yeah. you know i do the random thoughts podcast and that's all, usually the topic it's kind of pointing out things that make no sense we hear a lot of that in that larry show it's like you just have to rant about this stuff because somebody has to stand up not everybody gets the 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 uh, soapbox that ricky gervais gets but you need to stand up and push back 
And my only thought after watching Ricky Gervais, and maybe if if somebody has an answer to this, um, does yeah. he have a? I mean, I know he's rich, like you said, he's he has no problem in that category. But if he has a Patreon, if he has a product, if he has something he's selling, mm. a CD, whatever it is, I'd be in just to show yeah. the just to show the people in the entertainment industry that you know yeah. people that are having that particular point of view they might be successful and mm-hmm. we all know most of the people in the entertainment industry are just chasing the dollar and would flip yes. on a switch you know I, I don't believe for a minute that deborah messing is so into her politics that if it was between will and grace going off the air and her never working again or her doing something that was totally opposite of her views <laughs> and she would make mm-hmm. money i have no doubt that she's choosing the money Oh yeah. Well, Ricky said that perfectly. What he said: if, if ISIS had a streaming age a service, you'd all be calling your agents. Yeah, <laughs> Both, you know, yeah, we, no shit. We need more people with that kind of a viewpoint. We need more Tim Allen's because he's one of the few guys that's actually funny. Yeah, that yeah. is, um, you know, and he's actually less political than most people think. But it's the fact that he actually dares to poke fun at the liberals. You know, that's the only reason why he's touted as dangerous or why you know i mean come on that show was making a lot of money for sure was it cbs or uh, i think it was cbs um th- that they they shot him off you know yeah. and then fox picked it up and obviously yeah. fox is now in its second or third season with the show so obviously it's still making money so this wasn't you know it's a weird thing when people in that industry are making decisions mm-hmm. not based upon money so you know ricky's your face you know, I think, t- yeah, Rick, Rick, Ricky was amazing. Maybe Tim Allen, I, he, maybe Allen. I, years ago, I uh, I was at uh, what the hell was it? I think it was the Improv, and he had that that show Home Improvement was just out, like maybe a season, you know. And uh, suddenly, between you know, unannounced, fucking Allen comes out on the stage. You know, it's just like for the fuck of it, and it's like, wow, this is interesting. But he wasn't the huge star. I mean, he was he's a big TV star. But I looked at him and I thought, oh, this is going to suck. Here's another fucking, uh, you know, actor who who essentially reads reads jokes written for him by somebody else, which probably the overwhelming majority of sitcom people are. You know, they're right. actors reading funny stuff. You know, I thought this, this is going to really blow. Holy shit. He was one of the best stand-up guys I have ever seen. And I don't laugh easily, but I was just about rolling off my chair. The guy was awesome awesome well and to be funny comedy has to have a you know something of truth involved behind everything and and lord knows there's a lot to make fun of right now but nobody nobody wants you to make fun of it and i mean maybe that should be be that should be a red flag just everybody you know everybody and if this doesn't stop and in the very near future everyone everyone's going to have to speak like how the fucking computer from uh from 2001 and there'll be a constant white nose tone everywhere you go that just uh, see. <laughs> and, and no feathers will ever ever be ruffled everybody be drugged on soma or whatever the fuck it is and you know then the world will be perfect i'm sure i'm sure that's the fix <laughs> well you know what you won't be able to say anything and then the question will no. come what happens to people that are on ambient i mean let's just use the roseanne Barr thing whether that was true or not when they're you know her very controversial comments that got her kicked off the roseanne reboot mm-hmm. 
was allegedly she was on Ambien. Then we heard all sorts of stories yeah. about people that were on Ambien and drove places and didn't even know or got went down into the kitchen, made really? a whole meal, didn't remember it. I mean, Ambien, people just totally black out, remember nothing. It's, you know, kind of like a, you know, a mega bit of sleepwalking. Wow. Well, then when you go to this supposed to do. What is Ambien supposed to? I mean, oh, it's a sleep aid. Okay. Yes. So I guess it does. I mean, it it actually makes you uh, (laughs) totally unaware (laughs) of the world. But (laughs) think about this. When you're getting to the point to where hate speech is becoming something that you might go to prison for, uh, nobody Mm. can take Ambien because I would be afraid. You're going to get up and you're going to talk to somebody and, uh, you know, you're going to tweet or you're going to, you know, make a video or you're going to get on a call with somebody and you're going to say something that is hate speech and you're going to go to jail for something that you say because how do you that otherwise that would be a great defense no, they were just on ambient i guess always the take ambience would be the uh yes. right, for, for hate speech uh that's always. we're not recommending you're on ambient 24 7 but if you want to get by the hate speech laws maybe that would be your yeah that would be your best defense just, but it, just keep a couple of tabs in the change pocket on your levi's you'll always be You'll be right. <laughs> it's sad, but that might be that might be the best advice we've given today on grumpy Maybe. old Ben's. And you know, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, it's always fun to have you around. We do have a one uh, donation today. One executive producer, Keith Von Dyke, who's somebody that's in on a monthly donation to Grumpy Old Ben's. Which you know, we're, we're Hello, we have Keith. You know, we have a Patreon which we don't really use yet because I figure. You know, your Patreon is loaded with content. Ours, we don't really have contents, but, you know, I guess it's still an easy way to take that monthly donation. PayPal allows us to do that as well, but we work on the value for value model, which means if you like what you're hearing and you got some value out of it, you can go to grumpyoldbens.com and you can click the little donate button there. That's also the place to go if you want to subscribe. And that, that does us the biggest, uh, the biggest favor of all i mean and out of anything else subscribing and rating the show somewhere as you know larry it's like you have a lot of people who have done reviews of your show as i look over you know at like the you know the different android stores and the apple mm-hmm. store and stitcher and that very few shows have people that take time to eat one rate it which is an easy thing to do because you're usually just pushing a you know, one to five or like or don't like but it's really right. rare to find somebody that's taken the time to actually type out a review of the show and your show's got reviews everywhere. So that says something there that people are God, more engaged. I didn't even know that. You know what? When I started, I saw a bunch of them on Apple and then I haven't been back. I had to look at those other places, Darren. I thank you for bringing that to my attention. I wasn't aware of that. So, and thank to, thanks to everyone. If you're listening for rating it, you know, it's, that's very nice. Thank you. Cool. Because it helps. Because otherwise, when you're looking for podcasts, as Sir Bemrose and I have talked about, I mean, there's like yeah. a million different podcasts now. So, sure. sure. How do you find them? That's gotten to be a thing where, you know, hey, we have a very big leg up being on the No Agenda stream, you know, being able to right. play the shows after the No Agenda show, which actually has a huge audience by podcasting standards or any standards, really. And, being able to kind of piggyback on that and get people to notice us has definitely been a help. But for people just starting a show, it can be nearly impossible to find an audience. And if you come across a show that has a few people that left reviews, you know, at least you can get an idea of what that show is like 
or, you know, if somebody leaves a review that's like, hey, dig Larry's show, it's kind of like Joe Rogan on this. You know, it's it's kind of a right. mix up of ambient. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but with a lot less shit taking, there's no doubt about it. And well, I mean, what's OK? Do we any like tease for the next show, which you have dropping oh, yeah. on Tuesday for part two of uh, McAfee or anything yes. coming after that? Anything we need to let yes, people know yes. about? Uh, well, a couple of things. First of all, the part one, uh, you know, my, my show is I've never had and I've got like, you know, including the bonus episodes. Now I'm well up over 160 to 260, 260 episodes. That's a lot. <clears throat> and this is my first interview ever. And, and it's also on video. So you go to that Larry dot com and you will find the uh, the audio portion there. And if you want to see what McAfee, which was doing, which was <laughs> the guy is, he's not just an audio treasure. He's a video one as well. Believe me, <laughs> um, that's posted on Patreon. Uh, so uh, episode part two, where he's, I think, uh, quite a bit more uh, reflective, maybe uh, about his, his personal life is coming up this Tuesday. And that'll be at that Larry And the video again will be on, uh, on Patreon. And then uh, after that, I recently took another, uh, a little journey up into the uh, high desert. Uh, I like to call it Manson country. And it was really kind of a, a, <laughs> a north, north, I guess, northeast of Los Angeles. And it was, we had a lot of fun. Took a ton of pictures. I'm going to be posting them as well. I saw some really bizarre things. That's why I love the desert. It has, it has a bizarre and oddball flavor that you can't find uh, in other places. So that'll be, that'll be the, the week after. So that's what's going on. Well, in the desert, things kind of seem to get abandoned and kind of left alone. And they have a fairly long shelf life because you don't have forever. Yeah. It's kind of like just mummified things out there in the middle of the desert. As far as the doing the interview with McAfee, do you like the concept of having the video when you're doing the interview or is it more distracting for you than if it was just an audio call? Would you have a preference either way? something? That's a great question. Darren and I think I I went I went into it thinking mm, I'm not too hot on this video idea. However, in retrospect, I probably prefer it because, as they say, something like uh, what a 75 percent of communication is nonverbal, and when you can sit there and actually see the person's face that you're talking to and gauge their comfort level with whatever questions you're asking or whatever, it adds a fuck ton. So my plan is. Moving forward, you know, I've been doing Sinner's Sunday uh, twice a month. I'm going to, I'm going to, my plan, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stick to this, but I'm going to try. I'm going to cut Sinner's Sundays back to one a month, and then I'm going to try to do one interview per month as well, because I had a lot of fun doing it. Nice. Well, you do a very good job of doing it, and not everybody can. Thank you. The, the interview concept, well, anybody that's dealing with the mainstream media, the problem with interviews is everybody has the same damn question. And that is, uh, you know, that is for people that are doing interviews, there's a whole like eight or nine minute clip from our buddy that we still have to unearth to do one of these interviews, Jonathan Brandmeier. There's like an eight or nine minute yeah. online yeah. of people telling him he's one of the best interviews that they've ever had because he asked them things that nobody else ever has. Because knowing Johnny, he just didn't give a crap about whatever movie or whatever they were promoting. Johnny was going to use it as an example to, uh, you know, as as a reason to find out something that he wanted to know or to have some fun. And when you're doing interviews that way, 
and i did a few years ago as just a pup because my buddy had a site called womenofcountry.com and this is going back into you know maybe at the infancy really of the internet like 15 years ago or so maybe even a little bit more that mm-hmm. it was given enough juice i mean it was in one of those books that uh sir memrose and i talked about the one time back when they were publishing books of like websites on the internet because you know there was no google and there was no search engine and that was i don't even know if yahoo was really around at the time and they used to publish like lists of all these websites and he got listed so it was something that you actually cool. had a little bit of juice and so i remember interviewing he didn't like doing the interviews so i did a few of these interviews with the female country stars and not being an interviewer actually i think helped you know it by trade actually helps quite a bit because you're asking different questions and you're taking things in a different area which is why i think yeah. the the first half of the mcafee i really kind of enjoyed that and as i tweeted i my favorite was when you told him he was a 10th degree black belt and not taking shit <laughs> and he just hysterically he laughed <laughs> and that was genius because i'm sure nobody else has ever come up with anything like that and he's like okay i can appreciate this <laughs> Well, the guy clearly he is. I mean, this this guy has um, has thumbed his nose at you know corporate America, at I don't know how many people in his personal life, and and about six different fucking governments. He's told to fuck off. I mean, wow. I mean, he he truly is uh, a legend, a living legend, and and the last great American outlaw. I think I really I really believe that. And you do have to believe he has the information he claims he has which is how he's gotten out of all of these countries and yeah you know it's probably comes down to like hey we're going to take you in and he's just kind of like holds out the little phone or whatever with the information like do you really want to arrest me oh no no go ahead you can leave (laughs) see you later yeah (laughs) yeah i mean he he is he is the he is the the practicing i guess the crucial martial art for the 21st century and he's wielding information like a fucking samurai sword god bless him Yeah, and information is the new capital. It is the new weapon. And uh, everybody, just be safe out there. That's all we can say. And and try not to be a dick, because if you're a dick, you're probably going to leave behind (laughs) things that that are going to be used against you at some point or another. But this has really been a lot of fun. I mean, it's been great doing an episode with you where I wasn't being interrupted by Ryan. He'll be back. Don't worry. He is going to be back. He is going to he is going to be back Wrong. sooner or later, or maybe he's not. I don't know. I mean, vote. You can vote if anybody wants to vote, or if you if you're listening to this live oh. right now, or if you're listening to this when we post it tonight on Friday before tomorrow, when I'm doing an episode with Tony Bemrose. If you if you know where Ryan was wrong, or if you have a question about Ryan's bringing <laughs> up or his relationship with his brother, the number to call is four eight zero four Grumpy. And that you can leave a voicemail and we will cover that one when I'm talking with Tony, get all of the Ryan Bemrose questions answered before he comes back on the mainland and sometime next week, I'm assuming next Friday, will you be here next Friday, sir? Bemrose, you're going to do a show. You're not going to be in a hammock somewhere. So I believe next Friday he will be back doing a show and uh, he can have his response then. But uh, until next time, everybody spirals out of as this spirals out of control in about a month's time there will be a steel cage death match between <laughs> ryan and tony precipitated by darren <laughs> that would be fun yeah i just want to be the guy that goes let's get ready to rumble and then they just go at it 
that would be good we can sell we can sell all sorts of merchandise it would be absolutely perfect and thanks as always for coming along larry it's always good to hear your input and find out what's going on in your world you're welcome back anytime i have to say you're more than just a replacement for ryan i mean you could you could do this full-time easily (laughs) no way it's it's (laughs) great to be here i miss ryan and uh always fun to hang with you guys it's an honor thank you class thanks again again, larry until next time i am darren o'neill later